Hi, I'm Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and, in essence, catch up on our cinema. So it is the month of November 2021, and we are in the midst of our No Theme November event month. Basically, we've just been reviewing whatever we feel like from week to week, uh, and in the absence of my regular co-host Kyle, as he's been up to some uh, real-life shit uh, this whole month. Uh, so in lieu of his absence, uh, I've been reaching out across the internets uh, to recruit uh, some special guest hosts uh, from week to week. Uh, and in joining me in reviewing a film today, uh, I have my good buddy, uh, Steampunk Link from the Snescapades podcast. How's it going, Link? Uh, I, I got to tell you, man, like I, it's it's going pretty awful, actually. Uh, I, I've been having some really wicked uh, marijuana withdrawals, and then I ate a GMO turkey yesterday. My life has just been a downward spiral. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, way, way to hit all the big references in one fell swoop. Uh, Sorry about that. Hopefully, uh, your your head has maintained a vaguely uh, humanoid shape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think so. <laughs> after after all that, after ingesting all that nonsense, but um, yeah, uh, folks at home, uh, in case you weren't clued in on on what Link is referencing there, um, and my God, how could you not be in the know? Uh, Link Link picked a very specific movie, a very special <laughs> movie. Uh, for us to review today, and remember, this is no theme November, so I've kind of given our our esteemed co-hosts, our esteemed guest hosts from week to week, uh, free reign to pick whatever film they want to talk about for whatever the fuck reason. Uh, so, Link, uh, <laughs> would you care to introduce uh, the film that we will be talking about today? Uh, yeah, sure. So we're going to be talking about Blood Freak, which is a uh, 1972 um, Christian anti-drug anti-GMO kind of uh, monster movie that's uh you know and i and i feel like i need to apologize to you for this one you know you said no theme november i thought you meant no production values november um so i i just picked the cheapest movie that i could think of no actually i i picked this because uh, this is coming out around thanksgiving you know we we just um there are, I'm sure, no better Thanksgiving-themed slasher films. I'm, I'm sure nobody has ever done that before, ever. Um, but I I heard about this movie through my, my second favorite movie podcast, which is uh, called God Awful Movies. It's a, it's a movie podcast where a bunch of atheist guys make fun of Christian cinema and also just general religious or woo or whatever kinds of movies. Um and this is probably the most entertaining thing they have ever talked about. <laughs> they they were just like, look, we tell you normally don't watch the movies that we review on this show because most of the time they're really, really boring. You guys have to see this one. Track it down. It was at the time free on YouTube. It is free on the Internet Archive right now. So, um, you know, if, if you are uh, going home for uh, for Thanksgiving and have to deal with some you know relatively unpleasant uh, relatives around this time of year as you know some of us have to do um, give this film a watch maybe it'll cheer you up just a little bit or at the very least think well at least I didn't make blood freak <laughs> yeah I was about to say that's one of the the, the perks that comes with the viewing of this film is that if you have any interest in the art of filmmaking or or getting into the film industry, uh, you can watch this film and feel very assured. It's like, well, you know, I think if I was given the reins like to direct a film, 
I could do slightly better than that. Like, yeah. even, even if I showed up drunk to the set every day um, and had zero inspiration or creativity backing me. But um, yeah, Blood Freak is, is quite quite a special film in a lot of ways. I mean, all those those buzzwords you mentioned uh, referencing some of the subject matter of the film, that that is... That is quite an assortment of themes going going into a horror film, a, a monster film. On top of that, but yes, yeah, um, I'm curious about what you said about that that other movie review podcast. This is one of the more entertaining films they've reviewed. I mean, you have to keep in mind, like they normally, you know, like they'll be watching sometimes, you know, like anti-vaccine documentaries, and like nobody should watch any of that, or you know, like a flat Earth documentary or something with Kirk Cameron in it. Uh, <laughs> You know, nobody should watch any of those things. But but this is just one of those things. And, and you know, for me, I, I kind of feel this a little bit, too. You know, I, I'm not quite as into the whole gawking at bad movies as I was maybe, you know, like a few years ago where, you know, like my friends and I would get together like, OK, we're going to watch The Room or we're going to watch Birdemic or we're going to watch Mortal Kombat Annihilation, which, you know, like those are those three are my go to's. But this one is just it's so bad that I had to go back and like Google other movies made in 1972. I was like, people knew how to make a movie in 1972, right? Oh yeah. The Godfather came out in 1972. Yes. Yes. This is just an anomaly. This, but I mean, there's probably millions of these, right? There's probably millions of these waiting to be unearthed that like nobody has touched yet. Like, uh, uh, or maybe never will because they're lost media. Like, you know, the, even the, the mystery science theater, 3000 folks haven't found it. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. We're, we're in the midst of like a, a wave of like a resurgence of films of this very nature. Um, there's a lot of boutique uh, physical media distributors out there. Uh, Vinegar Syndrome is like one of the one of the higher higher caliber ones. Not, <laughs> not highbrow, but higher like high profile uh, <laughs> okay. in terms of like the the breadth of the release catalog and the quality of the releases. Like they really go to great lengths to clean up, like polish the the stinkiest of turds <laughs> that have ever been expelled uh, in cinematic history. But it's really fascinating because, like, as we're actually kind of moving away from from physical media as as like a as like a go to uh, for viewing films and, and television and whatnot, um, we do have these boutique labels that are kind of unearthing. Like, th- this is their this is their bread and butter is unearthing these forgotten films. Most of them are terrible, but basically they're they kind of think of themselves as like film pre- preservationists, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like movies like Blood Freak kind of fit into that to that catalog uh, very neatly, in fact. So you're absolutely right. There are tons of these movies because honestly, it's like, I mean, there there are unions, there are regulations surrounding the film industry, but there there are ways to skirt around that sort of stuff. And really, all you need to make a film is is the equipment and the will to, to do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there was nothing union about this, which made me, like, more <laughs> nervous watching certain things in this movie. It will get to it. Um, yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, like, certain things, like, knowing that there was probably no union reps on there, nobody keeping the sets safe, you know? Like, okay, I'll, I'll just say one thing. Like, there's a scene where uh, there's a couple in a car, they're shooting up heroin. I'm thinking, like, Oh God! Is that a real needle? Is he actually sticking a needle in her arm? I don't know that he's not actually just straight up sticking a needle in her arm because there's no professionals on this set. Like nobody telling you, yeah, no, maybe we get a prop to do that instead. Like you know, like I, those are the kinds of things I worry about when I see this, and it makes me kind of squirm in a way that I don't think the movie was intending for me to. No, absolutely not. I I can't speak for that scene. I I got the exact same vibe. In fact, like I, I had the exact same thought mm. process when that scene was happening. Um, 
But I want to say the party scene earlier literally is just the director's friends just oh, absolutely. Do, doing drugs in the afternoon or something. Well, are they doing drugs or did like somebody have like a nasal spray and they were like, oh, that'll look enough like ju- drugs. Let's let's pass that around. Because I think it was it was definitely just like a house party with the director's friends. I do not think these 40-somethings were friends of the 19-year-old Anne. But, uh, but yeah, like they're passing around and, and okay. And you know, I will admit I have never done anything harder than marijuana. So I am not like some drug expert out there, but like, is there a drug that you just inhale like in an allergy medicine looking inhaler that's, or, or, or is it literally just something that somebody pulled out of their pocket? Like, Oh, I've got this. Is this looks enough like drugs? And like, yeah, yeah, let's, let's do that. That'll be the drugs. Yeah, I I couldn't tell you either way, but just it's curious because that's like one of the only sequences in the film that's shot in like a a voyeuristic fashion where it literally does just look like someone had a house party and then trotted out a camera for 20 minutes and then said, yep, that'll contribute to the film. It's like, did anyone sign a release? What's a release? <laughs> like, what are you I'm talking wondering, about? Like, was, was this the crew? Like, did anybody who worked on this movie also just get to be in this scene? So it was kind of like a combination house party slash B-roll for the opening of this movie, for the first scene of this movie. Yeah, hard to say. Yeah. Uh, there's there's definitely a lot of instances of just somebody collecting footage and saying, yeah, mm-hmm. that'll be part of the movie. It's right. like, uh, more, more than likely, that's just padding. Uh, it may even have been just like, I don't know, like... A corporate video or like training video footage <laughs> like especially on the turkey farm it's just like <laughs> was somebody just like shooting footage of the farm and they're like asking around like hey does anyone have any footage of like a turkey farm it's like hey i shot a video for a farm like five years ago you oh, want the footage <laughs> my theory about the turkey farm is that like the, the guy who owns the turkey farm in the movie actually owns that turkey farm and let them shoot there and, and showed up is like so when am i going to get to be in the movie and they're like oh you yeah you're you're gonna play the owner of the turkey farm and then one of the guys playing the science is like i thought i was gonna no you're a scientist number two now shut up yeah, Link, Link, I think you're absolutely on the money with that. More than likely, that was exactly how it played out. So one of the people involved in the production absolutely owned this location. Yes. And they just they just happened to think of that as a potential resource for the film. It's like, actually, it just like opens up a whole completely weird can of worms in terms of the origin of the monster. <laughs> it's yeah. like, I'm not sure that was wise. It's not especially threatening, uh, but it is unique. I'll give them that much. Yeah. Like, I, can't, I can't say that I've seen a, a turkey man uh, before in a film uh, i've seen plenty of an- human animal hybrid monster movies but i don't i can't name a, a turkey uh film i've seen black sheep uh, that's a that's yeah. a sheep man i've seen that one i've seen man mosquito that's a that's a mosquito <laughs> man i've seen shark octopus that's a shark octopus but i've never seen a turkey man uh, so it you know so, sometimes that's all you need that's your hook is that you've never seen the the blank monster it's like if you just advertise it as the blood freak nobody knows nobody's wise to what it is yeah and you absolutely could make a competent you know kind of silly horror movie about a were turkey or whatever like that's a thing you can do it's just that uh you know this movie was also trying to have all these messages in it uh, so it couldn't just be you know, a fun murder fest, like, you know, like a lot of these schlocky horror movies from the the 70s and 80s, and I mean, you know, probably up until today are. Yeah, uh, so on that note, I I have a thought about that, but uh, we should probably get to the film proper. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So uh, would you care to give us a plot summary, or should I? Um, 
I will try. I worry that by giving a plot summary of this movie, I'm going to sound like a child recalling a dream they had because it's going to be like, okay, so the movie starts and there's there's a lady and she's she's in a car and she's driving and then there's a guy and he's on a motorcycle and then the lady pulls off to the side of the road and then the motorcycle guy, he also pulls off to the side of the road and then they get back on the road and they go to her house. It's like, I mean, that's that's literally what happens. There's no dialogue there and it's shot like, you know, somebody's home movies. Um, but yeah, so... So these two people who we assume have just met, based on what the director has told us, that's another <laughs> real important thing I probably ought to mention right out of the gate. The director of this film has a, a quite large presence in it physically because he pops in throughout to give little speeches. Um, and like, this guy, this guy is just... It's it's so bonkers. Like he's he's dressed like the sleaziest freaking guy you can imagine. He's got you know like some great seventies era wood paneling in the background, wood paneled wall in the background. Um, he is he is smoking cigarettes throughout, like like his life depends on it, and he just says the craziest things. He uh, so I have actually written down a lot of his monologues because I don't think I can summarize them. I, you just, you, you have to know, um, do you mind if I, if I read through his first monologue here, just to kind of give everybody a, a taste of what's to come. I agree with you wholeheartedly. It's very important. The people need to know this is a pub. This, this review doubles as a public service announcement <laughs> announcement. So by all means, please okay. All give, right. Give us the, the initial <clears throat> monologue of our, of our co-director of blood freak. Yeah, Brad yes. F. Grinter. Yes. <clears throat> we live in a world subject to constant change. Every second, every minute, every hour, changes take place. These changes are perhaps invisible to you, us, because our level of awareness is limited. Take, for example, how the things we do and say to the people we meet, which, um, uh, side note here, um, has blue squigglies under that entire sentence because it is nonsensical. <clears throat> All these things affect our lives, influence our destiny, and yet there seems to be some kind of fantastic order to the whole thing. We never know how or when we will meet a person who will become a catalyst or lead us to one. What's a catalyst? <laughs> well, in this case, a catalyst is a person who will bring about change. They could be good or bad, but there will be changes. You can meet one almost anywhere in your everyday life, in the supermarket, drugstore, anywhere. Even writing down the Florida Turnpike. A pretty girl with a problem. Who could resist? Certainly not Herschel. And that's spectacular. Yep. There Absolutely spectacular. Um, and totally nonsensical. <laughs> I love that this guy thinks he was so smart by picking the word catalyst like nobody else was gonna know what that word meant. I yeah. So folks at home, this is where this is where the you gotta see this shit component of the film comes in. Uh, because Link did a phenomenal job reading that and kind of matching the man's cadence, by the way. Um, but this film is an audio and a visual medium. Um, you need to get the visuals to go with this monologue because it this man clearly has this monologue printed out or handwritten oh, yes, yeah. in front of him on a table somewhere just out of frame and he's continually just looking into his <laughs> lap in between takes he is smoking 
uh, in in between. This is all delivered in a single take, by the way, just a static angle, looking direct to camera. Yeah, he will he, he will flub lines at some point and like just he keep does. going. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he just he just leaves it in. He just he's like, we gotta go, and, and, <laughs> including the last one, which I do not want to spoil until we get to the end of this because it's so good. It's it's the cherry on top of the whole. It production, really honestly. is. But anyway, yeah. so so he gives us that monologue. We see Herschel and Angel. We learn is her name because subtlety. Uh, driving down the the Florida Turnpike, they have uh, assumedly just met on the turnpike so you know kids before we had social media and okay cupid and all this this is how people met you would just exchange glances on the freeway you would both pull over and say hey want to come to my place and be like sure and that's how that's that's definitely how that worked in a world before the internet yeah uh this is a, a very strange arrangement this entire sequence by the way is is a good solid like minute minute and a half of no dialogue just just a jam session going on on the soundtrack. Uh, we get an entire like slide of credits dedicated to the the composer and the. I think they refer to him as the music director. Some fellow named Gil Ward, who is really proud of his work on this film because his music is in the weirdest of places. Like it never seems to fit the tone of what's going on. <laughs> but there's just he's just like rocking the fuck out, and it's just it's just really really shaky raggedy footage. Of a man on a motorcycle, yes, and a wo- a woman pulls over to the side, and it's funny because I read the plot description on uh, Wikipedia and IMDb, and the first line of most plot descriptions for this films, like it indicates that like oh she had like a flat tire or something, but not nothing, nothing of that nature is communicated to us in the film. Right, that was that was somebody filling in a blank. Yes, that was someone guessing as to why she pulled over because. We're we're given no indication as to why she pulls over. She just pulls over. Uh, the man on the motorcycle pulls over in front of her. They smile at each other. But she smiles don't, like she... at the camera, as if we are seeing things from Herschel's <laughs> point of view at one point. And this is why I'm saying like this looks like somebody's old family vacation, you know, video or something that they just shot. Yeah, I mean, complete with the the shaky cam yeah. because like clearly nobody locked the camera down. Nobody brought a tripod. We're just like driving on the freeway and sticking the camera out the rear windshield and just hoping that the footage turns out and it's it's mo- it's mostly in focus i guess yeah um <laughs> but yeah they apparently uh came to some sort of arrangement or something and i think it's implied in dialogue in the in the following scene that he helped her out like repairing her car or something yeah we we see no car maintenance actually happen but yeah. uh, just trust us on this it happened folks <laughs> don't worry <laughs> yeah it happened and then apparently uh, they hit it off to the point that she brings him to a house party? Yes, she brings him to a house party where her sister, and I, I love this bit of dialogue between the two of them too. She, you know, there's already a party going on, and she says that, you know, my sister and her friends are a little far out. And he's like, oh, and it, it sounds like you don't approve of that sort of thing. And she's like, oh, it's not that. They're just into drugs. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Is that not what we meant when we said your friends were far out? Like, what did you mean by that? Oh, she probably meant like they're into secular music or something. <laughs> yeah. So I just want to pause for a second. Yeah, because sure. We, sh- we, we, we ought to uh, describe our, our leading man here. Oh, yes. Our- yeah, we, yes. we absolutely should. Um, he is a um, he, he is a large, beefy fella. He is uh, his name is or well, his stage name is is uh steve hawks is that right that's what i got yeah yeah but his name is actually something like steve sepik 
Um, he is originally from Croatia, I believe, is what I read. Yeah, that, that's correct. Yeah. And he he had a, apparently a, a decent career as as just a, a strong man in cinema and play, was in the middle of a Tarzan production uh, just prior uh, to production of Blood Freak. Uh, and apparently there was an on-set fire, uh, a pyrotechnic accident uh, that set him ablaze and caused him to be very badly burned. Yeah. And so he... Uh, part of the production took place in Florida on that Tarzan film, and apparently the story goes uh, he was in rehab, uh, getting skin grafts or whatever you need for serious burns. Poor guy, um, and he just had to—he was stuck in Florida while while the Tarzan production pulled up stakes and relocated to I think Spain or, or uh, some European country. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was just hanging out in Florida, and then apparently along came Blood Freak, and he was like, "Well, I'm bored. I'm in rehab." Uh, sure, I'll do the Turkey Man movie yeah. with you. Well, uh, yeah, because he is credited as you know the co-director and the co-writer, I think, along with director Brad Brad Grinter. Is that his name? Yeah, Brad F. Grinter. Right. Uh, yeah, he is. Uh, Mr. Steve Hawks is so, in fact our co-director. I almost wonder how much of this was him drawing on his experience of being injured on that set and dealing with the rehab. Because he does say later on, like when he says that he was in Vietnam, he got burned in Vietnam. He actually, like his character says that. And and so I wonder if like this is maybe almost semi-autobiographical. And I wonder if that's what the director was talking about in his monologue at the end where he says that this movie was based somewhat on fact and somewhat on probability whatever the fuck that means <laughs> in regards to the creation of the turkey man yeah. <laughs> or the hallucinate hallucinogenic dream that is the turkey man um yeah actually th- this this becomes kind of a debate as to who who did what because we have two directors both of whom have i don't know there's enough bl- breadcrumbs laid laid down in the form of brad f grinter's appearance and line delivery it suggests that this is a man that maybe has a little too much confidence in his ability to make a film. <laughs> yeah. But but then you have Steve Hawks, who more than likely was on some 1970s painkillers uh, and was hanging out in Florida for an extended chunk of his life I, and apparently went on to be a... a, a he like founded many tiger reserves in, yes. uh, in Florida. So like something that I read that was linked from Wikipedia is that one of the reasons he he survived the incident on that Tarzan uh, on that Tarzan set was that how the scene was supposed to play out was like a trained tiger was supposed to go and free him before the fire got too close to him or whatever it was. Um, He got burned. The, The tiger got away anyway and still did the thing to free him from whatever it was that was keeping him from getting away himself. And that, developed it caused him to develop this love of animals and so yeah he started some sound like kind of shady um animal preserves because like there he i guess he made headlines at some point because one of his tigers got loose or something like that um I should say this. I do not believe he is the Tiger King, right? He's not that guy, right? <laughs> no, I, I actually did a, a minute of research. It's okay. confirmed he he was not affiliated with Tiger King, but that just tells you how how darn crazy uh, Florida can get. Yeah. Is that there were there were multiple <laughs> there... Tiger King pins. <laughs> it's like, which Tiger guy are we talking about in Florida? <laughs> it's like whoa, whoa, whoa. Are we talking Tiger King one or three? Because <laughs> we go up to seven down here in Florida. <laughs> But yeah, th- this does raise the question of, of, from a creative standpoint, who is responsible for this? 
because we have these extended monologues that you, again, based on the line delivery and the Walt Disney esque mustache on Brad F. Grinter, I kind of, <laughs> I kind of suspect that he wrote his own material. But then again, I I strongly believe there there is. I don't know. There is something to the autobiographical element of Steve Hawks and, uh, I don't know, the his reaction to drugs in this film. Yeah. Like, may- maybe like maybe he did find faith at some point in his real life, and mm, this yeah. was applied to the film. Who knows? I-, I don't know enough about the man to say, but it is always interesting when you have <clears throat> a movie this bad, and it's attributed to more than one person as director. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of whom is also the star of your film, uh, which means he probably had confidence in the production, although he has been credited like much later in life as having uh, regarded this production as a like a, a bad time in his life. Oh, okay. I didn't do that, <laughs> but so then ag- that's interesting. Th- then again, that could be referencing, you know, his very badly burned body going through rehab like maybe he was in a drug addled haze during production or something i I have no idea of knowing yeah um i don't expect anybody would get this like be able to put these two people together but a little bit of uh, hr giger and a little (laughs) bit of uh, adam richman from that the the older editions of that man versus food show I, i don't know why just something about his facial structure just puts that image in my head but anyway he looks kind of like elvis in this movie honestly yeah. see, I, <laughs> I don't i, I, I don't think... know if the hair is real i don't know if it's a wig or not no it, it, you wouldn't bother with a wig that bad like he's got like <laughs> bangs coming out of them like the middle of his forehead that just hang down like no th- this guy this is just how this guy looks i think like yeah i i think i think that's the case it doesn't look all that much like a wig but his hairline is a little weird um but it's it's funny because like I wasn't sure why I was going to bring this up, but I figure now is as good a time as any. Yeah. Like I can't help but draw parallels to this film, um, be, like between this film and and some of the works of like Ed Wood, mm-hmm. or 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 failing that the Tim Burton interpretation of it, Ed Wood, uh, because one we have the director inserting himself in these like direct to camera narration segments or monologue right, yeah. segments, very similar to the the Criswell uh, public figure that was affiliated with ed wood that famous that infamous line of future events such as these will affect you and i in the future it's like wow yeah. you didn't really think that sentence through did you now criswell <laughs> um and on top of that you also have the the ratty the ratty production values and oh yeah um also the we have the the bit of um what was it tor johnson working on a lot of ed wood films and him having just the the most awful line delivery because not only did he have a heavy accent, he also just his voice sounded like belches. Like he was a he was a gigantic man that also had a gigantic voice, and it resulted in him just having the worst line reads. It's like it's like, and they even have a line in the Tim Burton Ed Wood film where it's like, why did you give him all the lines? It's like why did you why did you write so much dialogue for that guy, knowing full well nobody's gonna understand it? And I kind of almost got a similar vibe to to the Steve Hawks, uh, his Herschel character in this, where it's like yeah. he has a curious accent. He is actually, you can actually understand him just fine. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just, he's, he does stick out, and a lot of times he's not mic'd properly. Like, I didn't see any boom mics in the shot in this film, so I guess that's one compliment I can pay it. Um, but his, like, audio levels are, are occasionally, like, extremely low, where it just sounds like he, either he's very meek on camera, like he's not the best at saying lines on like on camera, mm-hmm. like he's more of a physical actor or something. But yeah, he, anytime he speaks, it's just a little bit funky. 
Um, yeah, well, I, I think like a, a couple people in this film have that. Like, I think that Anne sounds like I I was maybe picking up some kind of accent from her, but I'm not entirely sure because the actress who plays Anne, there is just nothing about her. She has no other IMDb credits. Um, so I have no idea who she is or like what else she went on to do, where she's from, whatever. Um, so I, I, I could be picking up on nothing. I don't know. I'm not always the best at picking up on accents, but, um, yeah, I, I'm not sure. I, I definitely picked up an, an accent of some sort. It sounded just like something Eastern seaboard of the United States, uh, some, some muddled mess of that. But... We found Tommy Wiseau's little sister. You guys, we found her. <laughs> it's like, where are you from? To, to quote heavyweights, uh, far away <laughs> um, but yeah i always noted that uh that Anne has a very aggressive bump it in her hair throughout the majority of this film <laughs> very aggressive eyeshadow and a and very tall hair like she, like the back of her skull is very tall in this film well, yeah, that, was, like, that was what she did in the 70s right i mean i i'll have to ask my parents about that like i wasn't around for it but well i mean um, neither yeah. was i but you know I, I grew up on a lot of nick at night so i feel like i've seen a lot of people with very big hair on tv <laughs> it's funny i i i watch quite a bit of nick at night as well but i want to say that most of the stuff i was watching was like from the 60s oh yeah uh, yeah so i i don't think i got a whole lot of exposure to that that particular chunk of of uh, american style and fashion mm-hmm. I have seen a curiously large number of uh, Japanese films from the early 70s, though. Mm. And my God, the lapels, Link. The, you, could, <laughs> you could smother an elephant with those lapels. It's, it's magnificent. I want that to come back. <laughs> There's some pretty cool mutton chops in this movie, though. I'll, I'll give it that much. <laughs> they have mutton chops so amazing that the mutton chops are like have to escape the rest of the sideburn because they're just too good for it. You're just too good for it. <laughs> it's just it's just a, a steady descent to the chest. Right. It's like, that's I want to see that actually. I want to see that someday. Just like mutton chops that extend down to the nipples or something. Mutton chop themed horror movie. <laughs> mutton chop once, man. Once the once the chops get you, there's there's nothing you can do. Yeah, the, the chops <laughs> have like almost no powers except for he's a uh, he's bulletproof because it creates like a steel wool like mesh over over just that portion of his face and his chest right yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah we go we go to this party that um link and i were talking before we started recording really does just look like a house party that was thrown by one of the production members likely the director or somebody and we just have these voyeuristic shots of just middle-aged folks Sitting around a coffee table, drinking, smoking, and snorting something uh, from some sort of container. Yeah, I, I am, I'm operating under the theory that somebody was just like, "Hey, do we have anything that looks like drugs so that we can use this in our movie?" And someone's like, "Uh, I've got this inhaler. I've got this this allergy inhaler. Will that work?" And like, "Yeah, yeah, that can be our drugs. That that looks like drugs. Is that what drugs <laughs> look like? Probably." I mean, yeah, everybody seems like just to be schmoozing amongst themselves they in fact they barely seem to notice that there's a camera in there but these are not acting performances and, oh no no and yeah they they barely even take this this instrument and do anything with it i think one guy or like one gal just like puts it in their nostril for a second it doesn't even look like they inhale honestly mm-hmm. it's just like what link had said it it's just like a, a prop that's like well this looks vaguely drug-esque uh sure we'll, we'll call that we'll call that some form of drug that you inhale through your nose but um, this is where we're introduced to uh, Anne and Angel. Uh, we had mentioned Anne earlier, uh, at, but her sister Angel was the one that was uh, 
in the car in our opening scene of the movie. And uh, these two characters are basically supposed to be, I guess, opposite from each other in that they're sisters and one of them is uh, real cool with God and the other one is real dismissive of God. Yeah, yeah. One, yeah, one is good because uh, she does Bible study and the other one is bad because she does drugs on the other side of the house. So basically she was like, I'm going to take this guy to my house to do Bible study where my sister's friends are also doing drugs. I'm going to tell him, yeah, don't do the drugs while you're there, please, uh, in this drug party that I've brought you to. Yeah, it's kind of a weird setup because this is most certainly a house party. There there are most certainly drugs and substances being handed, handed around. It seems like people are having a pretty good time, but Angel's yeah. idea of a good time is to just like camp up, up in a corner and uh, just pop open the bible yeah uh, and and <laughs> like i i went to high school at a very conservative place and this was also around the time when i was like kind of questioning whether i was religious at all so i talked to a lot of people like angel these people are the goddamn worst i hate these people so much i've talked <laughs> to way too many of these people Okay, well, uh, choice words, the goddamn words. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> just, just cut right to the core. Yep. But, um, yeah, it, it, is a, it is a choice uh, mm-hmm. to go to a party like this and, and know full well that you're going to be uh, the odd person out. Um, but yeah, uh, we kind of have a situation where Her- Herschel is like literally being pulled between the two women. Right. Um, where at first, of course, because he met her first, uh, that doesn't... That seems to be the only explanation as to why he's initially interested more in Angel, uh, is that he just he met her first, right? Yeah, um, he's sitting down with her and she's uh, talking some scripture with him, and he seems kind of interested. But at one point, like we're cutting, we're cutting around this party. By the way, at one point, uh, Anne is just like, just like a monkey on his back, just kind of yes. <laughs> like just kind of like climbing all over him, and he's like trying to just like ignore her, and he's trying his best. He's like, I really. I'm sorry, Anna. I, I really want to know about God, like yeah, right now. Both like, these sisters <laughs> are the worst. Herschel just needs to get out of there. These these two people are not good. Just get out. Just just leave. I mean, but Herschel, like you you are you were fucking Tarzan, man. Like <laughs> you, like you could do better than everyone in this room. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so and this is also where I started getting the feeling that like they would just you know sort of position the camera on someone. And just say, like, okay, here are the kinds of things you are going to say throughout this scene. We're just going to get all these things together. And then we're going to cobble this into a semi-coherent conversation and post. Because, like, again, I had to write some of this down. Because uh, <laughs> this conversation is nuts. Here, Here's here's a conversation with, with Angel and, and some of her friends here. Um, oh, Anne starts here by saying... Don't get my sister started. She thinks the whole world's a church and she's the preacher. And then Angel says, I believe, therefore I speak. Again, absolute worst. Absolute worst. Hate this person already. <laughs> and then um, a, a woman with a, a, a very um, Eastern European accent who is not miked at all says what I think is, well, anything you like, I could dig it. And then Anne says again, my sister, she's a doll, but this Bible stuff is really a drag. And then the guy says, anything she can dig, I can dig. Hmm, well, whatever turns you on. And Angel says, praise the Lord. That conversation makes no sense. It does not flow. It is ridiculous. And yeah, like nobody films that conversation 
you know, in order without saying like, oh, th- this doesn't make sense. Like they cobbled this together from just having people say, hey, here, here's the kinds of things you're going to say. Th- there may not have even been a script for this movie. Like it wouldn't surprise yeah, me. It, it's hard to determine, <clears throat> honestly. Like there are certain lines that feel like they're at least directed because of how stilted and like, like wooden they come across. Um, but on the whole, the, the editing in this movie is maybe where, for me personally anyway, like the, the most enjoyment and humor comes out of it. <laughs> yeah. Because the decisions made in this are just just completely harebrained. Like like there there's very little logic directing the like the formation of the narrative here. Like, right. Like if if memory serves, like a, a huge portion of the lines you you had mentioned just then are delivered just like the via insert insert shots of just like a close up of somebody's face. Yeah. And just like praise the Lord. It's just like. I didn't even know she was in the room. Uh, she just <laughs> popped in from the Phantom Zone because we just had that shot laying around in the editing cutting room floor, and uh, we decided to put it in the movie. Where? Doesn't really matter. We just put it in there. And there's plenty of instances of that where there's just these stray shots that are just inserted at very strange segments of the film. It it, it doesn't give the film very much like coherence or connective tissue from, from shot to shot and scene to scene. Um one other thing that happens during this party scene is uh, a gal who, who very clearly is is attached to a dude uh, just kind of like hits on Herschel. Right. And he, st- he straight up calls her a tramp. I was like, that's pretty aggressive, Herschel. You just met this lady. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> hey, you know what? Maybe they're polyamorous, dude. Like, judgy. <laughs> yeah, for real. It's just like, I, I mean. No wonder he likes Angel. A, <laughs> I mean, there is a way to, to, like, refuse an offer like that without calling someone a tramp. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure but uh, this results in her going back to her guy who is aptly named, named guy, guy <laughs> um who is also like i guess the resident dealer of uh tiger king corner three uh, <laughs> <laughs> like tiger king district three uh in florida um and yeah he's like the drug czar of this party and uh, this is where like he starts uh we get the ball rolling on uh dosing herschel uh with with super marijuana or something yeah he's gonna (laughs) give him something that's gonna make him like it's just gonna hook him right away well actually um at first she says like guy ought to go fight him and he's like yeah where is he he's like oh that guy over there who obviously played tarzan a few months ago and then he's like oh you know i don't i don't think i'm gonna fight him i got another thing in mind and it's actually ann who goes to him later saying like I really, really want to have sex with uh, with Herschel, but my sister is going to Jesusify him, and then I won't get to. So what do I do about this? And and he's like, well, here's the, the super marijuana. Uh, don't don't you smoke it. Just give that to, to Herschel. Just slip it in there somewhere, and then uh, he'll be hooked. And there's no coming back from that. And here's something for you, too, I guess. And... And she's like, "Oh, it's not going to hurt me, is it?" Like it, it. The movie can't even really decide on on how super the super marijuana is, because right? From like, depending on on what moment in the movie we're talking, it's like he'll get hooked. Like, there's a lot of repetition of the phrase "hooked." Yes, uh, he'll get hooked on this after like five or six tokes or or doses or whatever. Um, but then it's like, oh wait, it was just one, right? And apparently, apparently he's he's so addicted to the super marijuana that it's just completely crippled him and ruined his life. Marijuana, not even once. Apparently, like, it, <laughs> I mean, if you're buying from from Guy uh, in Tiger King District Three, uh, yes, uh, apparently 
one toke is well, all it takes. Well, I, I like the implication that Anne, who's just this strung out junkie we're meant to believe which is why she's so awful and just the polar opposite of 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 the good angel uh mm. she's concerned that the drugs will hurt her so it's it's i don't know maybe that muddles the movie's own message a little bit like oh hey maybe like she's concerned about doing the drugs responsibly safely maybe that's a thing you can do mm, i don't know yeah one other element of this film that i don't think is a I don't think it's relevant. I don't think it's actually the case. But again, connecting this back to Ed Wood, um, what was kind of fascinating about like a chunk of Ed Wood's career and many other low-budget film directors like throughout time, honestly, is that uh, sometimes you you get financed by like a church group or something, and therefore you're obligated to church up your film oh, a little bit, re- hmm. like regardless of the subject matter, like. Um, uh, Ed Wood, in the case of, uh, I think it was Plan 9 from Outer Space, uh, part of that movie was financed by, like, a Baptist group. Um, and so he had, like, Baptist producers on the set kind of pushing him towards, like, creating certain narrative elements for the film. Um, and because it was their money, they they can make those sort of creative decisions. And sometimes if you want to make a movie, that's what it comes down to. It's like... yeah. It, it, it all comes down to money. Like if you can't finance the thing, you can't make it. So you, you compromise. Um, in the case of this film, I suspect that maybe Steve Hawks, like maybe he, t- maybe this is an autobiographical tale of Steve Hawks and uh, his rehab, uh, like chunk of his career or whatever. Um, but there is also the possibility that maybe some, like a church group or, or a religious person was partially financing the film. And therefore they, they were obligated to include, some element of of this in the narrative even though it's like it's not skillfully woven in it's just kind of there right i mean it's there at the resolution so it does kind of serve as like i guess an exclamation point to part of the narrative but it it checks the fuck out for like two-thirds of the middle of the movie <laughs> like it, it just yes. it just dismisses itself and it just turns into a, a montage of people bleeding from the neck and exactly one scream sound that we have on repeat in the sound library <laughs> <laughs> now, now come on now they had at least two screams well yeah i mean you have to have a male and a female right yeah so yes you have at least two yeah I mean, my god like like we're not crazy people here no. <laughs> we tried a little bit <laughs> um, but but yeah following the party uh so we have this this plot going along on the side where uh, people are conspiring to dose uh the newcomer to the group herschel uh with with super marijuana uh, but in the meantime angel uh continues to try to like help him out i guess and she takes him to meet uh, is this her dad or just like a buddy or something? We have no idea who this guy we is. We have no idea. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I have an idea. I have a theory of who this guy is, uh, but we'll get to that in the in the next scene, I think. But um, he's clearly not an actor. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> this guy's delivery is so stilted. Like this guy could be doing a fast food training video, and people be like, "Come on, can you just like give us something to work with here?" Like, ugh. But it, I, I've seen Dave Thomas on a windy training video do a lot better than this guy. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say that much. <laughs> Old fashioned hamburgers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but um, oh, actually, so uh, you know what? Okay, I'm not even gonna go into it. I was gonna go into like the parts of the Bible study that Angel actually gets wrong, but um, 
We don't even. Need I mean, to go if into that. if you need to, like, if you need to, if you need to purge those demons, if you need to get it out there, uh, well, by all means, there's you something can about use like the show is your platform. There's something saying like Herschel says something about like, well, what about adultery? Isn't that a sin? And she says, he says we commit adultery with sticks and stones. No, that is not, that is absolutely not what that passage of the Bible is saying. It's talking about a specific f- person who committed adultery by defiling the earth with sticks and stones. He's not saying that's what. Anyway, sorry that I was like listening to some of the Bible passages, and I was like, I bet I understand these passages better than they do. And yeah. sounds like that's the case, yeah. <laughs> honestly. <laughs> okay, but anyway, yes, back to um, her friend, who, um, yeah. So, so we learned that you know he's got a turkey farm, and oh, so they say something about how um, the, the 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 Lord provides, or you know, they they say something about. God and and Herschel kind of you know smirks and says, "Well, can God get me a job?" And then Turkey Farm Man says, "Oh, yes, he can." By which I mean me, I can give you that job. Uh, I could use somebody like you on my turkey farm. Um, and uh, that's kind of all that's the scene the, is. That is, yeah, that's all the scene is. It's just an old man awkwardly positioning himself on a couch, like because he seems like deathly afraid of touching Angel's leg or something. Like, 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 God forbid his knee touches hers or something. Right? Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, really, really stilted line delivery. But yeah, that's that's the extent of it. Really, it's just Herschel is apparently unemployed uh, and is looking for a job, and Turkey Man hooks him up with a job, apparently working at his turkey farm. Right. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, he needs to hang out at the pool and repair like a, a mop or like oh, a, a pool a pool cleaning tool yeah that's the other thing is that um the, the the lord also provides him with a place to stay by which i mean angel says he can crash at their house while he's getting back on his feet we also completely forgot to mention that there's another director commentary <laughs> before that the scene with uh with angel and her friend start up where uh, among other things the director says that um uh, Herschel has a uh, Herschel has a lot to be grateful for. He's strong, he's handsome, and he enjoys being attractive to the opposite sex. That's... End scene. <laughs> uh, no, he says a few other ridiculous things. He does mention that Herschel was in Vietnam, and I think that until the end of the movie, that is the only uh, time that is ever mentioned. But it it will be important later. Yeah, so, Link, I think it's very, very, very important to note. Uh, we have all these intrusions right. uh, from from the from the director himself doing these monologues. It's very important to note, even with, like, f- five or six of those in this film, this movie is 79 minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> so my suspicion is uh, those scenes were likely inserted uh, to pad out the runtime to, to push it to feature length. I, I don't know, because I feel like this guy had a lot he wanted to say, and he was going to get it in no matter what, I think. Absolutely. But, you yeah. can Again, you can see it on his face. This is a man with things to say. Yep. People need to know. And uh, he does have a handful of acting credits on his IMDb. Um, so I want to say his dramatic line readings is him kind of like flexing those acting talent, right. <laughs> acting muscles. It's just him like taking the floor. And this is very, very likely him in his own home, just like setting up the camera on a tripod and just and just going. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you can tell he's he is relishing the opportunity to deliver to deliver these deep monologues that amount to nothing if you if you take two seconds to really think about what's being said one other thing i want to mention from that other monologue uh not to like you know get all 
CinemaSins bullshit or anything, but uh, he says, uh, Herschel has met two beautiful girls, one that's conservative, responsible, concerned with and contributes her time and efforts to the betterment of her fellow man. The other's the opposite. Or is she? Who are we to judge? It's like, I don't know, it seems like you wrote, you wrote a whole fucking movie about judging her, Brad. So... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he's kind of all over the place with it. Like I said, my suspicion is this is a bit of column A, a bit of column B. This is a man <laughs> who wants to be on film, uh, can't really get uh, on screen in any films that he's not directing. So, <laughs> right. God damn yeah. it, we're going to use this opportunity because this is this is my shot. Um, and then the other end of it is, you know, just we also need to pad out the runtime because if it's not feature length, they probably won't screen it in theaters. And we got to make our money back. Um, Do you think otherwise this... Tiger Tiger King three will come break my legs or something? Did this movie actually get a theatrical release anywhere? You think? Do you think this actually was shown in a theater? I suspect, yeah. Okay. Um, as as bad as it is, like at least on a, on the regional circuit, I could see this maybe just playing in some local theaters in Florida. Some, or some something. local drive-in somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I could see this being played on a big screen somewhere. I mean, it was 1972, so. Um, home home consumption of, of films was, you know, fairly limited as far as I understand, um, if if not inaccessible for the most part. Um, but yeah, I would I would imagine this played on a screen at some point. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, maybe uh, maybe on the strength of this podcast, somebody will gobble up the rights to it. Uh, fuck, I hate it when I do that with words. <laughs> Uh, my girlfriend's big on wordplay and puns. I, I I just like have to take a good long look at myself whenever I accidentally fall trap. I, I love fall it into that particular trap. It's always on accident, by the way, Link. It's never on purpose. Uh huh. So, okay. Sure. Uh, sorry. Sorry about that. But um, yeah. Uh, I would imagine like on the strength of this podcast, maybe someone will uh, obtain the rights to this one. Yeah. If anyone from like, Central Cinema in uh, Capitol Hill is listening right now, I I would probably go watch a screening of this and. and in a theater. Hell yeah. yeah. Blood Blood Freak on a big screen uh, on Thanksgiving Day. Oh, or hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sure, sure, why not? <laughs> I can think of a worse way to spend my evening. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, we we cut to Herschel after that after that next uh, monologue segment. Uh, we have Herschel just hanging out at the the pool and uh and uh this is a, a very strange just single take action mm-hmm. where it's just we set up the camera and it's just like Herschel pretending to be like repairing a tool used to clean a pool. Well, he's and- doing something because, oh, the squeakiness of that pool ladder that he's installing bleeds through that mic, and it made my ears hurt watching it on my computer. It was awful. Yeah, the the audio in this film is one of the Ugh. the more entertaining slash annoying <laughs> aspects of the production because it like bad audio can ruin a ba- an already bad film. It can make it that much worse. And uh, mm-hmm. one thing that I was telling Link about before we started recording is that. Uh, some of the quirks in the audio in this production actually reminded me of some of the crap I used to make when I was a lot younger. Uh, m- more specifically, like instances where we're filming indoors and there's like clearly a, a air conditioning unit or like a fan or a refrigerator in the room that has a an ambient hum to it. And like every time the camera moves, every time there's a cut, you just hear this uh, 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 mm-hmm. uh, uh, uh and, and like the ambient tone in the background. Um, but yeah, uh, for whatever reason, uh, Steve Hawks, Herschel, he has this quirk where if you give him a noise-making implement, he'll just futz with it during the take <laughs> and just like drown out all the dialogue. Like they'll, I, I forgot to mention it. I'm so glad you brought it up because I would have forgot. During the party scene, the leather chair that he's sitting in, 
It's just like <laughs> he's just like shifting in his seat continually, and it's just drowning out all the dialogue. Just looks like rubber against like leather. It's just, it's it's god awful, and it's so fucking loud. <laughs> Uh, yeah, during this pool scene, yeah. for sure, when he's tinkering with this implement, it, you just hear metal clanging the whole time. And it's just like I think people are saying things, but I can't hear it over the the, the squelching and the, and the and the metal noises and whatnot. Um, but yeah, Anne just shows up in a in a bathing suit and just sets up like a, a pad at the side of the pool. And she, I noticed she knocked over her her sunscreen or whatever. I was like. <laughs> Probably should have done another take of that, but okay, we're leaving it in. She doesn't that care. Kind of She's movie. putting her towel or whatever it is, like, partway in the pool for some reason. Partly in the pool, yeah. Like, half of it is, like, hung over the edge of the pool. It's like, lady, that's not good. Like, like that's going to get wet. And it's like, you, good luck trying that shit off. It's going to get moldy. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, she just kind of like sets up shop next to him and it starts bugging him. And he's just like, hey, lady, I got a lot of tinkering to do. Like, like I got to like turn this one nut like 5,000 times. Yeah, like, the, but, the old man's going to be on my ass if I don't if yeah. I don't rotate this nut. But but <laughs> Anne, Anne has got like all of the greatest lines that your dare officer told you people were going to try and give you free drugs with uh, in elementary school. She's just going to say them all right now. <laughs> and finally, the one that works is she calls him a chicken. Yep. And that yep. that's that's all it takes. It's all it takes for, for Herschel to be like, I'm not a fucking chicken. I'm going to smoke this thing right now. How about that? So, so Herschel smokes it, and then the two of them just do what I think might be the worst high acting I've ever seen. Like... It, it's either the worst or it's like genuine <laughs> like 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 maybe this shoot went on for like eight hours and they just got super high <laughs> and then and then they rolled cameras or yeah. something but but yeah it it is very over the top uh they both just like go into laughing fits yes herschel's is borderline terrifying because that's a very big man with very big hair <laughs> and to have his face just explode going out of nowhere it's just like whoa <laughs> like like hold your horses there buddy like Maybe take it easy. Not to keep bringing him up, but I, I feel like he went to the Tommy Wiseau school for acting, laughing, la- laugh acting. Ta. Ha ha. Ta. Yeah. Yeah. Like just, yeah. yeah Herschel's got like really fake laughing. We can't really tell with Anne because she's got her, her face covered in, by her hands for like half of it. So that's. Yeah, it's funny. I, I was debating, like, I can't remember any of Herschel's dialogue in this film, but I was, like, debating assigning a uh, Rainier Wolfcastle voice to him or a Tommy Wiseau voice. Just... <laughs> I, you know what? I think I might like Rainier Wolfcastle better, actually. <laughs> my God, my eyes, the goggles, they do nothing. That's quite good. Uh, and at them. <laughs> On closer inspection, these appear to be loafers. <laughs> Maria, my mighty heart is breaking. That is not for me. <laughs> I sleep on a giant pile of money with many beautiful women. So I was actually get, giving a. I was trying to remember an actual Herschel line. And that was the only one I could think of. Was that's not for yeah. me? Yeah, I, I, yeah, that's right. He does have that line. Yeah, where he's he's. It's. I think it's early on when they're at the party or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if I could remember more of his dialogue, you'd, you'd be getting a lot of Tommy Wiseau or a lot of Rainier Wolfcastle, but the, such is Blood Freak. It's just not that memorable yeah. in terms of dialogue. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but anyway, so all it takes is uh, is is one puff. Now he's hooked because uh, presumably she gave him the stuff the guy gave her earlier, and now not only is he addicted to the marijuanas, he's he's addicted to the drugs, but also now he's just going to immediately jump into bed with Anne. 
Yeah, and there's some awkward cuts here. Because, like, she, she kind of, like, seduces him and, like, pulls him into the house. And she's, like, in, in various states of undress. Like, we don't see any nudity. Although we do get some butt. Like, there is, yeah, there we is do visible get butt crack. Real good butt shot. I remember there being a little bit more nudity than was actually in this. But maybe I, I'm just remembering what I want to remember. I don't know. But I suspect you're right. Because that's another thing that Link and I had talked about before we started rec- uh, recording. Was that there is potential for there to be alternate cuts of blood freak extended cuts if you will of blood freak Um, people have put this movie out on youtube several times in different states of like having things cut having things repeat for some reason whatnot so you know the the version of this that we are seeing on the internet archive there's the possibility that maybe this is not the like actual theatrical version of the movie that there might be some differences i think we're probably getting something pretty authentic but um you know there's there's that possibility that this isn't like you know that, that there were some cuts or whatever yeah stuff like this like even in regards to movies of 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 the caliber of blood freak it, it it's endlessly fascinating to me like like the various cuts that exist of different movies and actually um i didn't notice this until just now link but i'm really glad we brought it up is uh wikipedia lists the runtime of blood freak as 86 minutes Whereas the Internet Archive has it around, I don't know, 70, like 80 minutes, 79 minutes, somewhere mm-hmm. around right, there. Right, right. And if I was to guess what was cut out, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was TNA. Um, especially given some of the, like the, just like the general tone and taste level of the production. I wouldn't be surprised if right. there's some more of that kind of stuff in here. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, you're going to tell me that the director that we've been seeing, you're going to tell me that that guy didn't tell someone to take their clothes off? No, that guy has definitely told someone to take their clothes off. And <laughs> Yes, that no, most certainly, yes. Yeah. Again, just it's like he projects a certain vibe. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, uh, it, it <laughs> he looks like he's gross in like all the ways that that word applies, honestly. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but yeah, we, uh, Herschel and Anne hop into bed together, and uh, we do get another monologue from our director. Um, okay. And I don't remember most of it, but the conclusion of it oh, no, is, no, no, like, no. Leg- nope. is legendary. Yeah, I, I've got this one. This one's pretty short, but yeah, we're. I'm going to read this whole thing. I'm not, I'm not going to do this please, on all of them, please. but this one. <clears throat> Any man who could refuse such temptations from a girl such as this, he would have to be less a man than Herschel. How bad is that? But remember that the paths of life are predictable, and we repeat them again and again. Right on. Legendary. Yeah. Just just the deep pause and the right on. (laughs) So let's unpack that really quick, because like... This, How? This line. How do you unpack that? <laughs> he says you would have to be less a man than Herschel to refuse such temptations. And when he said that, I was thinking like, oh, no, I'm going to have to hear so many homophobic slurs from this guy before this movie's over, right? Luckily, he didn't. But uh, that's got to be the implication there, right? By saying less a man. Oh, yeah, you're you're gay, right? Like, you know, he's he's again, he seems like he might be that kind of creep. Um, and then. I- Remember, I, I hate to say it, but but Brad F. Grinter, like the the way the way these monologues are written, like I'm not sure if you're familiar with some of the the promo work of the Ultimate Warrior, uh, from wrestling's past. Uh, it's on it's on that level in terms of coherency. Yeah, it's just like I I, I don't know. I think it's English. Like, like right, yeah. I think I think those words in sequence like add up to something, but 
I I don't know what the fuck that was. Yeah, <laughs> like it yeah. sound like if it's, it's delivered in a grave tone with a certain cadence that makes it feel meaningful. But honestly, it's like I I really don't know what's being said right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's. Uh... Do you think he's saying right on or ride on right there? I heard ride. And ride. I, I stick by that okay. just because I, I love that. It's, it, yeah. I don't know. I don't have a fucking clue what that's supposed to mean. <laughs> but just him looking into my soul and saying, ride on. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, you see, right you, on, you, said, you said that way cooler than he did. He's just like, right on. Like, like, like in a very like, hello, fellow kids moment right there. Like. Well, but, like, he has a cigarette in his hand. That automatically makes him that much cooler, you know? <laughs> I mean, I don't know if a cigarette can help that guy in the cool department. I don't know. I don't know if yeah, it... Yeah, it was this Walt Disney mustache and his wood paneling. Like, <laughs> that, this is citizen cool that we're looking at. Right, right on, now. fellow kids. <laughs> right on, brother. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, we wake up in the morning, uh, Herschel and Anne, and Herschel's kind of like, pissy with her because like, you should set the alarm because like you were supposed to know my schedule <laughs> well, well and, like, you know like admittedly to be fair you know she probably knew that he had to get up for work because this was his first day at the new job and you know the whole yeah. reason he was there is because you know he's been waiting on this job but also like why is this scene other than to, to show Anne's ass like this doesn't come back in any way. He's not yelled at for being late. Nobody even comments on him being late when he gets there like why even have this scene there? Yeah, I, I don't think of myself as a sleazebag or a lecherous individual, but I need to say that in terms of shot composition and lighting, this might be one of the most skillful shots in the movie. You're not wrong about that. Like, <laughs> like her, her ass is the best lit thing in this film. It, it, exactly. You know, there, like, there's there's a there's a column of light in the shot, <laughs> and she she is instructed. The, the scene is blocked out. Like they actually yes, took yeah. the time to block out the shot where she stands up into the frame, and there's only that one beam of light. So they had to be very coordinated in where they placed her. And she she hit her cue. She stood up. We see butt, and then she very quickly wraps a towel around herself. It's probably the most skillfully choreographed shot in the entire yeah, movie. You're not wrong. <laughs> you're not wrong about that. Okay. Do you think that this dude was just like a porno director and was like, "No, this is my shot to go legit." Like, uh, yeah, I mean that that's very likely the case. <laughs> I mean, it's it's no secret a lot of directors, like even to this day, get their start in in porno. Uh, it's it's common. It's either horror or porn. That's hmm. generally where you get your start. But in 1972, on like whatever pocket change and lint you have uh, laying around the house um, with that kind of production values. I wouldn't be surprised if, yeah, he, he just happened to get a chance to direct a film as opposed to a porno. Mm-hmm. And he was like, he, he treated it as like his, his baby. Like this, this yeah. is going to be the, this is going to be the one they remembered me for folks. <laughs> it's like, I mean, in a way, absolutely. Like, yeah, he's not yeah. wrong. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It, it, it kind of worked out, but yeah, uh, I think he took this quite a bit more seriously than probably anyone else on the set because uh, i, I want to say there's almost like a cutoff point where where our our other director steve hawks like if the movies are generally not shot linearly but there's almost like a cutoff point in the narrative where you can almost feel steve hawks just like lose all of his fucks to give because he just like removes himself from the film despite having more screen time from that point in the film onward he's just like 
checked out or something like because like in terms of man in monster suit performances i'm sorry steve hawks does not rank up rank up there among the greats like like he is not a cane hotter i'll just Uh, say that you you don't think that the decision to pat the the beak of his mask with blood instead of like actually like looking like he's putting it in his mouth you don't think that was a a really brave and interesting choice that that he made there (sighs) I mean, that was a choice. That's more than <laughs> can be said for some of the other acting in the film. But, yeah. like, moreover, just some of the shots of him just, like, list listlessly just, like, traipsing around in the woods. It's just, like, yeah, we, it's not even good weather. You can tell it was probably, like, really fucking cold. And his pants were probably soggy. And he's yeah. just like, I just want to go home. I want to go home to my tigers. Like, all seven of them. Yeah, you know, <laughs> a little bit of inside baseball here. Uh, you and I, we just talked about the Mortal Kombat movie. Uh, how would you say that the chicken head compares to the Goro animatronic from Mortal Kombat. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that is not a fair comparison. Like, the Goro animatronic... Uh, while very dry, while not a goopy puppet, while not a well, not a, a not a wet puppet. puppet, yeah, not a wet puppet, right? Yeah, uh, which is of course the best kind of puppet. Yes, um, it still had a charm to it. Uh, it was brought to life with you know some pretty good technicians and astounding voice <clears throat> acting talents. But uh, the 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 turkey head piece in this film is a uh, I, I couldn't even tell if it was mobile or not. No, I, no, I, absolutely I, not. It was completely. Uh, static. It, it was just like a, a, it looked like just a hard molded thing that they just put, and he, he basically just got it on his shoulders. Like it's it's just you know it's just a giant thing that covers his head. It's it's yeah. There's nothing animated or animatronic about it. Yeah, he looks like a a, a foul uh, huh? pet boy or something. Um, but I, the the mouth I want to say like incidentally just flopped open like when he thrash around sometimes like. Well, quote thrash. He, yeah. he, his right, movements right, yeah. are not particularly coordinated or dramatic yeah. in this film. But, uh, but sorry, we are getting way ahead of ourselves here. We yeah. yeah. So we we go to the turkey farm. Herschel right. rides. Uh, he rides on. Yes, he uh, does to the turkey farm, uh, and he is uh, brought into the lab, uh, which is attached to the turkey. Well, farm. Well, can, can we and, talk really quick about the just five minutes that we spend looking at turkeys and listening to Herschel make weird noises at the turkeys? Yeah, that that's a huge component of the, the film's runtime. So yeah, we do we do need to pay lip service to that. Absolutely, <laughs> Herschel sounds like he's trying to make turkey noises. That's not how you do it, Herschel. It's supposed to sound like this. Oh my god, that noise permeates like the the last half of this movie. Just yep. like it's just everywhere, and they just like randomly insert it too. <laughs> ominous like, some, turkey some, gobbling. It's, ominous turkey yeah. gobbling noises. It's like I'm sorry, there's no real way to make that scary. Like <laughs> maybe if you like dialed up the volume and you had him like pop out of the shadows for like a, a cat, like kind of jump scare or something. But no, we just get these like quote suspenseful scenes where it's just like you just hear a turkey gobbling in the yep. background. <laughs> it's like what? What? <laughs> Um, but yeah, throughout the entire movie, from this point on, we just hear there will, turkey yeah, there will be noises. turkey gobbling constantly. So, but well, may, maybe this was a cultural barrier. Maybe Croatian turkeys make a different sound because different cultures oh, okay. and different languages okay. have different different onomatopoeias. They have like different noises. For, okay, for fair enough. Fair enough. You might you might be right about that. <laughs> Who knows? I, I'm trying to back up Steve Hawks here. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying my best. <laughs> But yeah, he he is he we spend a good 5 minutes just kind of like looking at 
stock footage or not stock footage. This was probably shot intentionally. Oh yeah, no, uh, I'm for, sure this was shot film. on this guy's turkey farm because as we get into the lab, like you were saying, uh, we see the the turkey farmer again, and this is where I will reveal. I think this guy just owns this turkey farm. Oh yeah, no, it's absolutely likely a case where we had access to a turkey farm, therefore we shot on a turkey farm. Not not because it was especially relevant to the story we were trying to tell, but just because somebody involved, somebody who is like a friend, like a personal friend or something of someone on the production just happened to have a turkey farm. So it's like, does anyone have a farm we can shoot on? It's like, a, this guy, it's like, can he act? No, I don't even think I don't even think the plan was to have this guy act. I think this guy showed up and was like, "So, who am I going to play?" And they were like, "Oh, yeah, you are going to play the turkey farmer, of course." And yeah, so, someone got bumped to scientist number 2 to uh to accommodate this guy cuz his line delivery is just so bad. It, it's I mean, I think we already talked about it in the previous scene, right? Like it's I mean, it's consistent throughout the entire film. But yeah. You're, you're more than likely right that he kind of just, like, invited himself onto the production. And, again, because we're using his farm, it's like, we can't really tell him no. Otherwise, he's going to ask right. us to yeah, pay yeah. him. <laughs> it's right. like, we can't have that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he probably just inserted himself into the production Yeah, somehow. I think so. Um, but then we get to meet our lab techs. We get we have a scientist and his mutton-chopped associate. Uh who have a conversation with Herschel. He's brought back to their lab. And both of these guys, the way the way the film cuts around them, it, it just tickles me in just the right way. Because, like, almost every line of their dialogue, they just, like, cut to a close-up of them just saying, like, a sentence fragment or something. And then we just, like, cut to a wide shot of everyone. It's like, this is like a Frankenstein's monster of a, of a conversation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or it's just like it's just like Link had said earlier about the about the party scene where it's just we just shot some stuff or we just told we prompted these actors on the spot while the camera was running what to say and they just kind of like roughly recited it back. Mm-hmm. Um, these are not performances; these are recitations uh, like from like memory, <laughs> like not even a working script, but just like I think that's what I was told to say just now. I, I didn't right. quite understand him through all the the smoking. <laughs> yeah, so these guys tell Herschel that uh, you know they're going to have him do some odd jobs around the farm, but that also they really need him to be a guinea pig for some, you know, essentially GMOs, what we would now call GMOs. Uh, that they're using on turkeys. So, you know, because apparently how this works, according to this movie, is uh, the FDA won't approve it until you've had one person actually ingest the the GMO-laced thing, and then as long as they don't die or turn into a monster, I guess it's okay then. (laughs) The FDA just says, yep, totally good. (laughs) It's like, yeah, we had a big dude eat our questionable drugged-up turkey. Uh, okay. Yep. FDA See, it sounds legit to us. Also, <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Also, this little turkey farm out in the middle of nowhere has two scientists on staff. Like, I mean, I I don't know much about turkey farming. Maybe every turkey farm has scientists on staff, but I'm gonna guess that's probably not the way this actually works normally. <laughs> yeah, I I wouldn't expect as much. But yeah, these these guys just happen to to work on the farm, um, and. Neither, I'm sorry, like, it, it's not fair to judge people just based on, like, the way they, they speak and the way they look, but it's, I don't trust either of you with the science <laughs> shit. <laughs> like, 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 both of you is just, like, reek of just, like, 
uh, incompetence <laughs> at the very least. Well, and, and they especially do, especially when we get later on where they keep trying to leave, just like right? run away. <laughs> yeah, they keep talking about leaving, but they never do. It's 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 like the kid who say, "I'm going to run away," and they're like, "Okay, we'll go for it." I'm I'm really going to do it. Uh, okay, well, you know, go for it. Door's right there. <laughs> yeah, that, that's their solution yeah. to the problem. It's just like claim that they're going to run away. They never really quite get around to it. But um, basically, we set up that Herschel is going to subject himself to this experiment. Not just yet, though. You want me to be a guinea pig? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's actually a direct line that I kind, I kind of vaguely remember. But um, Herschel, uh, in the meantime, though, just kind of like works on the farm. We get to see him chuck a turkey over a fence. Right, yeah. Um, it's kind of disrespectful. <laughs> but um, then he's like playing with some of the eggs. He's like playing catch with some of the eggs. Well, he's, he's like, like he's like listening to one of them. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, he's he's rattling it around next and, to his And ear. again, like, I, I don't know anything about poultry farming. Maybe this is a thing you do. But like, what could he possibly be listening for? I don't know. Herschel, Herschel seems like he's got a lot going on that is not expressed in this film. Like behind closed doors, there's probably some like really deep, dark Herschel stories. Mm-hmm. We're just we're just not privy to them, unfortunately. But uh, we do get a shot here um, after he's like com- finishing up his duties that is blatantly reused in the film later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, like embarrassingly so, yeah. Uh, because it's it's a very deliberate shot. It's not just like it it draws attention to itself and it's just kind of like him posting up on on like a part of a fence and looking really wiped like exhausted and then the camera like tracks his his movement uh, as he walks kind of towards the camera and he looks just like exhausted and beat up or something and we we do reuse this exact shot later on in the film um but basically he goes home uh to the the Ann and Angel house and uh he he's Oh my God! He's, uh, they got him hooked. He's, Link. he's Jones and Bad for the marijuanas. Yeah, he, he's got the shakes. He's got the shivers. He's he, he's got to get some more super marijuanas. Otherwise, he's gonna die or something. And uh, he's like freaking out. And Anne walks in on him, and he's uh, he is not in a good way. Uh, so she she calls Guy over, yep. and she's like, "You gotta get him some more super marijuana. Otherwise, Herschel's gonna die." And Guy's just like, "I don't know, man. I, I don't like this guy, Guy." Uh, this this Herschel guy he's he's up to no good like he's he's a big guy I'm I'm intimidated by him and I think this is where I caught a a director behind the camera line actually uh, because we have a little oh, tussle here there are a couple of those yeah yeah there are a couple of them but I think this is the first one I noticed uh, because uh, Herschel is given a few tokes of I presume some more super marijuana or at least something close to it um, but the scene actually concludes with him kind of wrestling with guy um and when he has guy pinned to the couch uh as he pulls out of the frame and he lets go of guy we actually hear brad f grinter from behind the camera say no get up slowly (laughs) 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 it's like man i'm sorry like you can't plan that kind of stuff and it's stuff like that that makes watching movies like this tolerable Mm mm-hmm it's like just catching a little detail like that. It's like, oh man, <laughs> that's. Like, I mean, I have most certainly made exactly that mistake, like shooting films with my friends when I was a teenager and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But seeing it in an actual film that presumably was screened in an actual theater at some point, just man, it it just tickles me in just the right way. Yeah, but I I think uh, from there we we go to the actual ingestion of the. Uh, of the questionable turkey meat. <laughs> yeah, well, Herschel threatens Guy after he gets his super marijuana and says, 
you're going to keep me supplied of drugs for free. And guy's like, yeah, okay, sure, we'll do that. Um, so then, yeah, then we get to Herschel eating. Oh, but, the, by the way, oh. Link, I want to say that maybe, like, it was around this time, maybe the, the actor who played Guy was like, can I, like, be in less of the movie going <laughs> forward? <laughs> like, maybe he was actually hurt during this scene or something, because, like, the character, make like, he curiously, like, withdraws from the narrative like he has like one important scene later on mm-hmm. but he just kind of like makes himself scarce yeah for the majority of the remainder of the film it's like i don't think that guy was having fun or something yeah possibly possibly do you think he looks like the director because there is another grinter listed in the cast do you think that's him i don't know if it's him i i know uh i know uh the director's son is like a He's a camera operator. Ah, uh, okay. Someone like someone of that nature. So he was probably I mean, just he, a rando at the party then. I have to assume that's the case. Okay. Um, but yeah, he he very much like kind of removes himself from the narrative for the most part. Although he does get one last like ultra sleazy moment later on in the film. Yeah, but, he sure does. Um, uh, but yeah, what follows is Herschel sitting down to an entire turkey, and uh, again, the soundtrack is just kind of going ballistic. Like we're we again we just have this jam session going on. It's just this long scene of a very big man eating an equally big turkey, <laughs> and we cut between you know like Herschel eating the turkey and then more footage of the turkeys in the pen, which I don't know that's a little weird, but there there are attempts at some like I don't know arty juxtaposition or something yeah. in the form of like cutting to the turkeys and then most obvious uh, most obviously the instance when the 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 monster's head is removed and we have that shot position next to the turkey. Yeah. And I'll have some stuff to say about that when we get there, but yeah, it's like, man, I think you're punching above your weight with that one there, bud. (laughs) Well, (laughs) maybe dial it back a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I said, well, when we get to that, I will discuss that, but absolutely. Yeah. But so, so he finishes the turkey. um, He gets up he walks away and they show like they, they linger on the shot because we see him walking away like in reflection off of the glass door. Um, I don't know. Like, is that is that a neat shot or is that just kind of silly? I noticed that as well. Um, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, it's a neat concept for a shot. Um, but in terms of integrating it into the edit of the film, it was well conceived in terms of that shot isolated but the way it's edited into oh, the yes. film is yeah. very is very poor because it's a jump cut. Right. Because we hold on that angle of the reflection and then all of a sudden he teleports out of the frame and he's replaced. And scientist, scientist is there, yeah. Beard scientist. It's like that's a that's a cool idea. That is a a, a novel shot composition, but those shots should not be back to back. There needs to be a buffer in between them or something. Yeah, yeah. I was just kind of wondering like I cuz it, it seems like a, a neat idea, but I I didn't know like okay, is this actually like a cool thing or like would most folks just kind of roll their eyes at this like oh they oh, think they're I, being clever it, it's somebody tried yeah. somebody had an idea yeah, they, yeah. they tried so i can appreciate that it, it didn't exactly they didn't really stick the landing with it but it is it is something i noticed and you noticed as yeah, well it, so I it's guess, it's the second well, it's the second most creative shot uh in the <laughs> in the film which they absolutely ruined by like you said just completely jump cutting to with the exact same framing same location but with a different person suddenly there, like they didn't even let Herschel finish walking off and becoming no longer visible to the camera uh, before they did that, which 
yeah, it's like, okay, you had an idea and then you completely mucked it up, didn't you? Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, so it's only appropriate that they follow it up with a recycled shot of <laughs> of, uh, of uh, Herschel uh, but, once again looking sick yeah. at the farm. But again, like, there's uh, just... It's, this is another example of just like completely wasted um, footage here too, because it's like wh- why did you wh- why did they mess up that shot so that they could show the scientists picking up the turkey carcass and throwing it away? Like we really needed to see that. Like, like I mean, I don't know about the rest of you. I was really worried. Like, oh, are they just going to leave that there? That that's going to draw bugs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it is a perfect example yeah. of an extraneous shot that doesn't contribute anything. It's not essential uh, to constructing a coherent narrative, uh, but. Again, uh, the Internet Archive cut of this film is only 79 minutes long, and I do know that there are limits on how short a feature film could be mm. in order to be screened in certain theaters, so you got to pad that some bitch out. I guess. Uh, so, yeah, we, we absolutely need to see that scientist pick up that turkey. Not only that, uh, we need to see Herschel collapse on the ground and uh, go into convulsions and then follow the same scientist walking around the entire compound and not only that, we need to show him walking around the entire compound and have our our director from behind the camera tell him, take your time. <laughs> yep. Take your time. We need to pad this out. Take your goddamn time. Well, yeah, like, he's doing the classic. Do not hustle. <laughs> he's doing the classic scientist thing, you know, the, the old walk and read, you know, where you've got your manila folder and you're just flipping through things as you're walking. Very, very normal scientist stuff here. Yeah, very slow, very deliberate. Again, because we need to get this to feature length, and the direct again, you can act, you can hear the director on the on the soundtrack tell him very slowly, slower, slow. It, it's almost like listening to that uh, that uh, outtake audio from the the Thundercats production, where this is like where we hear the Lion-O voice actor reminding himself between takes, like God damn it, I need to go slower. Like, we must find the mega condenser. <laughs> no, still too fast. <laughs> I love that so much. That's a that's that's an oldie but a goodie. Like I think that was on like I think that was hosted on like Newgrounds.com like way oh, back wow. in the day. Uh, definitely look that up if you haven't heard it before. If you're if you're at all curious to hear what the the old Thundercats crew <clears throat> sounded like after hours, because <laughs> there <laughs> there is at least one clip of them totally shit faced <laughs> um, talking talking into the microphone as Panthro, and it's quite wonderful. Uh, Mum Ra especially though he kind of steals the show. But yeah, our scientist man does discover Herschel. And what's hilarious here is he checks his pulse. He, like, puts his ear to his chest. He's like, okay, he's not dead. I should leave him here. Right? <laughs> he leaves him. Yeah. He's, but, but, but he, well, he gets up to leave. He, he leaves him. We have a dialogue scene, and then we cut back to him still on the ground. But, but we, we, he gets up to leave, but he, before he goes back in the building, he strokes his beard so that we know he's thinking about things. We know he's scheming. Yeah, I mean, he's scientist, man. Yeah. He's, he's using his science powers to determine what needs to be done here. But uh, he heads indoors back into the lab uh, with his buddy uh, Mutton Chops right. and our uh, owner of the farm. Uh, we have a little discussion as to what, what we need to do here. And it turns out the owner of the farm is like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> you, nobody told me about no uh, turkey men. Well, but, <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like, don't we cut to a scene where he's already yelling at them for, quote unquote, dumping Herschel, because like we just go directly to that. Like he checks Herschel's pulse, checks that he's breathing. 
walks away, strokes the beard, and then cut. You did what? You dumped him? Why would you do that? You dumb bastards. Yeah, yeah. This is where things get very disjointed. And by the way, um, one other quirk in the editing of this movie is the number of, like, fade to blacks we have. Just uh, the timing of these fades is extraordinary in terms of generating comedy. Because just, like, a lot of times people are just barely finishing a thought. Like just barely finishing a sentence, and the and the shutter is already closing on the camera. It's just it's just like nope, we're done there. <laughs> it's, it's like okay, we're we're out of that scene. Um, but yeah, we're we're cutting around to all these different scenes, and the whole time we're like, what is going on with Herschel? Like we just saw him in convulsions. He was dying on the ground. Apparently, he's not all the way dead. He's only mostly dead. And the scientists are having a debate as to what needs to be done, or like the, the ethics behind what they have done. We even cut back to Anne and a man with one of the worst unibrows I think I've seen in cinema. <laughs> it, it's it is god awful, and it it takes center stage for many close ups in this film. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is really bad to look at. It is downright hideous. But yeah, he's just like smoking a pipe with Anne, and they're just like, "Oh, what happened to Herschel? Like he's gone missing." Yeah, or something. she says it's not like him to stay so late, and it's like you've known him for less than a week at this point, right? Like, yeah, no, like he's been on the job for like a day, if that. <laughs> like you, how how would you know his rhythms by now? Honestly, <sighs> um, but yeah, uh, we we cut back to like Anne in the middle of the night. Uh, so Herschel, like, it's kind of a mystery as to what's going on with him. Um, but we have these nighttime shots of someone stalking around the exterior of a home. And this is where Link we have a problem. Maybe in the in this particular like version of the film on the Internet Archive, where it's just like I can't see anything. No, there is no way this is just a problem with the Internet Archive version. Yeah, like, they, yeah, I I bet that's the case. It's just they, I only have this example to work from. But yeah, yeah they <laughs> they did not know how to light a night scene, or did not know that you do that at all. Maybe I don't know. But yeah, <laughs> we are just treated to like. Like, like the first very dark scene, I can kind of make it out because I can still see Herschel shaking violently. Like, honestly, like if he wasn't still doing the bad seizing acting, I wouldn't have known what on earth was going on. Um, but yeah, so then he gets up, I think, and then yeah. we just, at some <laughs> point, I don't know which black is still the outside and which black is the interior of Anne's bedroom and, and when we cross over, but at some point we do. And, um, Herschel, now as the were-turkey, is in Anne's bedroom. She screams, faints, uh, and and this is convenient because this gives Herschel time to just, like, jot her down a little note and explain what's happening. Um, yeah, I, I want to focus on, on the reveal of the, the turkey man. Yes, yeah. Because uh, it's, like, two frames. And again, th- like, what we're cutting back and forth between is like just a close-up of the turkey head like the paper mache head or whatever they crafted for the monster effect and Anne in her waterbed because again 1972 <laughs> florida um but like her shot her angle is so dark that's like we can see her because she's dressed in red and then the rest of it's just like i think that's a face like i think red. that's a woman I'm, i couldn't tell you honestly yeah. um but we just get like two frames of the turkey head just like whoa I'm, I don't quite know what I saw, but it's lumpy and moldy <laughs> <Yeah>. looking. <laughs> and honestly, like, but, if this is the only way we ever saw Herschel, like, the whole turkey head thing would be a lot more effective. But uh, once we get, like, a good look at that thing, it is goddamn ridiculous. 
Yeah, I mean, <laughs> unfair comparison, but like uh, Jaws is often cited as one of the better examples of concealing your monster yes. for, for better effect. It's like sometimes seeing less of the thing makes it more impactful. Um, I think it's Octo Man or Octa Man is one of my favorite instances of a monster movie that just like says fuck it and just throws that rule book out the window. It's just like, you know, we're, we're going to have our horrible monster costume in full daylight, front and center, <laughs> big as life and twice as ugly for 90 minutes of this movie. <laughs> yeah. Like this, the Octoman is in every shot of this movie and he is slapping people in the middle of town square in, <laughs> in broad daylight. We are proud of our shitty monster costume. So that's a, that's a different angle to play here. We try to have it both ways. Yeah. Um, but we see, we just see, too fucking much of this turkey man such that it's just like oh that's just not good I'm, there's no way to justify how bad it looks yeah um, even in concept again just a turkey man it's like i believe there probably is a way to execute a turkey man movie this is not it right um, yeah <laughs> i mean like we, we we've seen a lot of turkeys in this movie already turkeys are weird looking things like let's let's be real here they're weird looking you could make a pretty freaky monster out of a turkey man they failed to do that here Yes. I mean, it, unfortunately, that's the case. But, you yeah. know, it, it still has its its moments where it's fun. Maybe yeah. not because it's a good movie or a quality movie, but it's still a somewhat enjoyable watch if you come at it from the right angle. But what I wanted to draw attention to here is the reveal of the turkey man is, again, it's just like two frames. Yeah. It's, like bl- it's literally blinking. You'll miss it. But we have this, this musical sting. It's like the theme music of the Blood Freak. Mm-hmm. There's also the the introduction of the film, like our our first shots in the film, like the title sequence is just like bubbling red fluid. Yeah, uh, uh, clearly the, bu- the, drugs. the bubbling is incredibly loud. By the way, clearly that's the drugs. <laughs> I'm guessing. It was the end of the- <laughs> yeah, that's the title of the movie, Drug Freak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but. Um, the music that accompanies the titles is it kind of serves as like the theme music for the blood freak for the titular blood yeah. freak and this musical sting hits and it's just like a a noise and like a triangle going ting 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 right and then it abruptly just cuts and it's like it's clearly not an entire piece of music like like they run out of steam whenever they use it where they just have to abruptly cut it cuz it's not a complete arrangement um, but the way it cuts here is just like we see Anne scream at the ter- the turkey man, and then she passes out, and the music just goes. <laughs> it's, there's there's no like record skip, which would actually make it even funnier. But it just abruptly just stops, and then we see a a shadow cr- like cross in front of the camera, like cross between the camera and Anne's collapsed body, and then we hear a rustling of paper, and again. <laughs> Steve Hawks' acting method is to find whatever props are on set and just, like, <laughs> just like fuck with them, yeah. <laughs> like, right in front of the mic. <laughs> and we just hear rustling of paper. And then, yeah, uh, what Lincoln said is literally the scene. It, this is Herschel having a conversation with Anne via handwritten notes. Right. And but, the comedy that comes out of this comes in the form of the stack of papers she has next to her. It's it's so like this whole thing is just bonkers because she's horrified, but then just kind of like sort of gets into a sort of like, ah, oh, gee, well this sure is rough. Uh, oh boy, what? How are we gonna do this? Uh, like she's having a conversation about how like. Well, I feel a little responsible, so I guess I'm going to stick with you. And like, oh my gosh, what are our kids going to look like? What kind of life are we going to have like this? What if you never go back to normal? And it, 
it's, it's it's like you're going through the the five stages real quick here. I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> yeah, it's it it's all amplified by the comedy of this being a one-sided conversation. This is essentially yeah. a monologue from Anne, who is of quest- questionable acting ability, <laughs> but she has a pile of paper next to her, which suggests they've been talking all night this way. <laughs> um, we don't we don't really. She only reads aloud like one sheet of the paper, but. What's interesting about this, though, is that, again, like, looking at plot descriptions for this movie, these people are jumping to conclusions here, because, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Link, but what I got from this is that he he needs super marijuana in order to survive. Uh, like, he's super, he's still addicted to the super marijuana, um, and but there's other elements of the plot that seem to be, like seem to be inserted into these these plot summaries just because people have to jump to conclusions as to what it all means um like i think the the ingestion of the blood of addicts i don't think that's ever expressed in the script it's just something he starts doing and right. we just kind of assume that maybe he's doing it for a reason i don't know it's never really confirmed by anyone in the in the film yeah i mean i but- I, th- I think that it is kind of jumping to conclusions, but I think it is the correct conclusion based on I have what we to see. Assume. Yeah, yeah, it it seems to be the case, but like it's it's never actually stated in the film, so it's like oh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'm I'll go along with it. I mean, for fuck's sake, it's a Turkey Man movie. <laughs> like I'm I'm willing to to follow along with that line of thinking, but yeah, I, I think it's also implied that uh, the combination of the super marijuana and the the eating of the turkey is what caused the turkey mutation. Yes, yeah, because he's on all the drugs, um, and, and I mean, you know, what we'll learn later. And, and this is where things get a little bit muddled because we don't really know like what is the logic within this. Which spoiler alert turns out to be a dream sequence, and the logic of like what happens after he recovers from this. Um, and, and, you know, what we're told, there's a little bit of inconsistency there. So, yeah, my thinking was that because he is already been on drugs because of his injuries from Vietnam and the super like that reacted poorly with the super marijuana. And that's why he was like super jonesing to the point where like Anne was really, really concerned about him. And then that it like it gets even more exponentially worse by eating the GMO turkey because like the guys seemed like, Oh, Hey, you, you take a lot of drugs. So eating a GMO turkey should be no big deal for you. So they clearly weren't anticipating a lot of weird side effects just because he was an addict, but they didn't know he was like what he was an addict of, I guess. Like they didn't know he was probably addicted to painkillers or whatever because, you know, Somebody prescribed him to him. Oh, hey, is it time to get all leftist right now? No, 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 no not time for that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I'm thinking that the the logic of this at this point in the movie is that, um, well, because I mean, I guess we don't really know that he's on painkillers or whatever either. So yeah, that it's that's imparted to us. Yeah, viewers so, so that's feel like one line of dialogue towards the very end of the movie. Yeah, so that's the other thing that's weird about this is that like we're supposed to figure out all of this in hindsight, but by the time we're told that, like this nonsense with him turning into a turkey, that's already resolved. It wasn't real, so I, I you know, that kind of. It's almost like this movie wasn't written very competently, maybe. I don't know. Or written or at written all. Or written at all, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and 
decides like yeah i'm gonna stick i'm gonna stick with you i may as well have you seen the people in this town like you're far better looking than most of them uh, she she literally says the 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 girl is going to stay with the monster she created you know like oh yeah that that's that's good that we're we're just gonna you know have her say that part out loud (laughs) um and then she calls her sister angel and uh, we have another monologue from our director. Yeah. Um, and the, th- I think it's the only instance of him speaking over uh, visuals from the actual narrative. Like, we, we just have his voice. We see him, but then we cut uh, to Herschel being introduced to Angel. Um, and all of their dialogue is drowned out by our our, our narrator slash director yeah. talking over them. And given the poor sound quality overall in this film, I was the only thing I could think was like, wow, how badly did they screw up the audio in that scene that they needed to do this? Oh, I, <laughs> I hate I hate to say it, Link, but I, I have most certainly fallen victim to that uh, on, on things I've shot on my own where it's just like, well, none of that audio is salvageable. It's like, <laughs> what do we do with that? It's like, well, let's uh, find a way to cut around it. Let's like, let's like, like let's it, make it into a montage. Yeah. Let's, let's monologue something that like is actually, if you think about it, pretty offensive to Christians here, because he says that like, yeah, we only turn to God when we're in trouble. Otherwise we just mock him. And I'm like, pretty sure people who believe in God don't mock him when things are going fine. I'm pretty sure they still pray to him. So yeah, that that one's actually like if I were a Christian, I'd be pretty offended by that. Yeah, even I picked up on that. It's like I, that, obviously it wouldn't cut into me at all, but yeah. it's like you know that that's not especially kind to people who actually are of you know actually have faith. Yeah, I mean, like <laughs> what, what he's trying to say is like the the no atheists and foxholes thing, which is you know yeah. bullshit yeah. on its own. But but like yeah, the way he says it, it seems like he's really just kind of dragging Christians right there. <laughs> Maybe Steve Hawks found out about that after the fact. He's like, what did you do to my movie? <laughs> my my turkey man movie. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> Don't touch me, motherfucker. <laughs> Was that the Tommy Wiseau one right there? Yeah, I just yeah. decided to throw that oh, okay, in just yeah. because. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, Angel is brought in... Uh, she doesn't really do much at this point, but she's it. She is involved in that. She knows that Herschel is now a turkey man, right? Uh, and then we uh, we cut to a scene of Anne inviting over two dudes. Yes, like I, th- I think the I think dude is the correct word to, well, to, I, to use. One for of both of these guys. One of them was at the Bible study. I thought with Angel and them at the beginning of the movie. The guy who looks like he's got the mutton chops that have like reached escape velocity and are no longer connected to his sideburns. <laughs> Yeah, he's also the one with the menacing uh, unibrow. Okay, okay, yeah. Um, this... And also, he, he tries to have it both ways, because he's, he's like, kind of into the idea of doing the Bible study, <clears throat> mm-hmm. but then he, like, contradicts himself, I think, within the same scene of, like, talking shit about, about Angel and her Bible thumping. So it's just like, what okay. is this character? He is a dude, is what he is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, she invites these two dudes over, and we have uh, a weird continuity error in the form of, again, just like random inserts of close-ups of people's faces. Mm-hmm. Because like very plainly, she Anne invites these two dudes, these two blonde dudes, uh, into her home, and they're like talking in the front area of the room. And she like rounds the corner, and we actually see the dudes follow her, but then we just insert a close-up of the dude with the unibrow because. I mean, my God, if you have that resource, why not yeah. put it front and center, like, in a close-up? Uh, why not put more of that in your film? But, like, the background of his shot is very clearly, like, 
the room that they were just in. <laughs> so he teleports uh, in for one shot just because we apparently needed to have a close-up of him smiling. Right, just yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't contribute anything. <clears throat> it's just we needed something there. And in fact, the cutting structure here is, is just hilarious because well, it, it doesn't contribute anything, but we're, we're cutting from him smiling to the other guy looking bored well, and then back to him smiling. This is where Anne also has to tell them because she's trying to explain that Herschel's a turkey man now. And she's like, you know, this is like something out of Star Trek or the Twilight Zone. And they're both like, ah, no, I think those would find something way less stupid than Turkey Man, actually. But uh, No, they would have a pig man, yeah, thank you very right, much. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so then she says to, to – before, you know, deciding that she's going to bring Herschel out to show them that she's not, you know, just like on drugs. And that's why she's saying all this. She says, if I'm for real, he's for real. Which uh, doesn't make any goddamn sense, but all right. And then she goes to get Herschel. And then again, we see like a really, really brief, like two frames of Herschel's the turkey. Hard cut to Herschel walking around outside. Yeah. Uh, so this begins the phase of the movie where I started audibly saying, what? Yeah. <laughs> really <laughs> took you that long, huh? So. <laughs> I actually held on pretty well. Like, I, I was following the movie. It had it had some leaps in logic. The, the narrative was a little flimsy, but it, it was this cut. This was the moment where I was just like, what? And then I kept doing that, like, every few minutes. Because, like, the way, the way the movie is assembled from here on out is just people teleport in space and time there's no real rhyme or reason as to like why things happen nothing is explained but yes uh, we go from a zoom shot of the turkey man in the door frame and then we do one of those fades like before we even really get a good idea of what we're looking at we're already fading out of the shot yeah yeah and then we teleport to him outside and it's like an extended take of just herschel walking around as a turkey man on one of the shittiest days in Florida history, apparently, because this, this is not a not a good day to be filming. It looks like it's stormy out. It looks wet. It looks cold. Like, he looks miserable. Even his body language, he just looks like, man, I picked the wrong day to be a turkey man, man. <laughs> How long yeah. do I keep being turkey man? I'll tell you when to stop. Just keep walking. Just keep, just keep walking. I'll work itself out. Right on. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my yeah. goodness! So yeah, so yeah. I think um, the first thing he, the, the first, um, first addict that he finds is someone through a window. There's a couple shooting up. It's always couples doing yeah, drugs, th- and then the I guy just leaving the girl to her fate. Basically, this this was just all of this was just bizarre. Yeah. Again, this is where I started just saying what what why like in, in rapid succession because the again the structure of these scenes is just non-existent but yeah i think this was the quote tramp from the party oh um, was it i think so oh okay and i couldn't really tell what was happening because he's watching like the turkey man is watching the action through like a, a shutter right and, and uh it's it's a man and a woman I, maybe they're doing drugs maybe they're they're i don't know doing some hand stuff or something mm-hmm. but uh, anyway, she's done, so she's like, I'm done, I'm going to head out to my car, and then we get the static shot, just like the camera's locked down on a tripod, and Herschel just kind of like casually just like bops up behind her, and he just scoops her up, Yeah, she doesn't scream, she doesn't make a peep, he just picks her up, he's like, well, and she's like, I'm going to take you into the woods now. She doesn't <laughs> scream, but she is kicking her legs frantically. 
But she's not screaming at all until he takes her, you know, like where we can't see them anymore. Then we hear the scream. And I think this is like one of the two, maybe three scream sound effects that we just hear looped over and over. And I feel like with each with each kill that the turkey man does, we get an extra loop or two of that sound effect. And it's it, it is not terrifying. It is just really grating and annoying. It, it is. And, and like, I can't even tell half the time. It's like, okay, is the turkey supposed to be screaming right now? Or is the person supposed to be screaming right now? I don't actually yeah. know. In, in particular, like, there's a bit where the turkey man gets injured where it's like, right. I'm pretty sure. I, I want to say that's our director. <laughs> like, like, just like making noises into the microphone because like, <laughs> he couldn't find anyone else to do it or something. But the way that that scene is blocked, it's like it's kind of muddled as to like who's making what noises when. Um, but yeah, the 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 incessant screaming uh, from his some of his lady victims, it's just, it's very obviously the same piece of audio cut off abruptly, and then they just hit the play button again over and over and over again. It's it's it is grating. Yeah, like, it is obnoxious. It, but it is like video like, game menu music, and it's like. You know, like, okay, well, that was the 10 seconds of our music. Oh, you're, you're still here. Okay, I guess we'll play it again. It, you know, like, yeah, this this scream is the equivalent of going to take you for a ride. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's kind of it's kind of up that alley. But, um, yeah, we have a, a dialogue scene with Anne and the dudes. I don't really care what's being said. Basically, she's saying, you got to help me, guys. And they're like, I guess we got to help you, Anne. Well, there's, um, there's two conversations, and one of them... They're talking about how, um, you know, they don't know where Herschel is and they got to find him because he could be dangerous. And another one, they're talking about how they don't know how they're going to supply. They're going to keep him supplied. Supplied is another word that gets used a lot in this movie. Uh, you know, they don't know how they're going to feed a habit like his. And like, and I'm like, because he's a big guy, because he's turned into a turkey. Like, is it, are, are we <laughs> assuming that because he's a turkey now he needs more drugs? Is that what? Is that what we're meant to I believe? That, I, I think that's what we're meant to believe. Okay, yeah. all right. Uh, man, that guy must need so much drugs. He turns into a turkey. <laughs> He's a giant chicken, I tell you. The guy's a giant chicken. <laughs> no, I'm sure, like, anesthesiologists and whatnot, they have, like, different metrics for dealing with turkey people. <laughs> right, yes. It's like, yeah. oh, man, we got to up that dosage, brother. It's like, why? It's like, it's fucking turkey, man. Yep. <laughs> it's like, I, I need a whole tank of this shit. Yeah. Uh, they are, they're very resistant oh, uh, but, to whatever we pump full. But at one point, they also say that Guy left town because he was so scared of Herschel, but we see him, like, five minutes later, so that's not true. Yeah, uh, this is where I said, like, maybe this actor, like, threatened to walk off the production. Oh, so okay. Just, like, maybe they, like, filmed a scene to, like, write him out of the film just in case they couldn't get him back or something. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> I mean, you see this in low-budget films sometimes where it's just, like, we don't have money to pay our actors, so we have no we have no hold over them. Mm -hmm. Like, we can't just, like, say, you're going to be here on this day and time. It's like, no, I'm doing you a fucking favor. Right, Fuck yeah. Um, so, like, maybe he's just like, dude, like... When Steve Hawks like put me in that couch, he like really messed up my shoulder. Like I, I just don't want to come back. Mm -hmm. It's like, can you just write me out? It's like, sure. But he does come back. It, it's a weird line of dialogue that I most certainly noticed. But the next victim sequence is where it hadn't occurred to me when I was watching it. It was just another what moment for me personally. But when a uh, link had brought up that this may not be the complete version of the movie, I think I, I think this is the case where where we do have an incomplete version of the movie perhaps because the next victim is a young woman who 
we see the blood freak like illuminated by car headlights very plainly yeah yeah no one's no one seems to notice though nobody seems to care that the turkey man's just standing in the middle of the road or something and then she gets out of the car and she her body language suggests like she's like oh man i can't believe i'm doing blood freak <laughs> <laughs> like she like she really looks like she's embarrassed um but very like very abruptly we cut from her walking around to her braced up against a tree and she's making a face that suggests some like maybe some sex stuff is happening she is almost but, certainly masturbating like there is no other read that exactly you, you can but, make there but honestly but I, I suspect there's a chunk of footage missing from this cut of the film maybe because yeah. it's a hard cut from her walking to all of a sudden she's braced up against a tree obviously doing something that's but i mean like making... when is this film had a problem with just teleporting people to where they need to be suddenly precisely that that's why when i was watching it wasn't until you brought it up that it even occurred to me i was just like oh well that tracks yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah she just teleports to braced up against the tree and then we see a hand grab her by the throat yeah well, um, like grabs and, her by the face and like pretty violently, actually, which is another violently, one yeah. of those moments where I'm just like, oh, Jesus, he looks like he could have hurt her quite easily there. And again, because this is obviously all non-union, there are probably not safety coordinators or stunt coordinators there. So, you know, this is one of those moments again where I just kind of like, oh, God, I hope that they didn't hurt that actress. Well, it doesn't help, too, that, you know, our actor who's doing the violence to people is wearing a goddamn turkey head that he probably can't see yeah. out of. <laughs> so he's like, am I grabbing your eyes or your throat? I don't know. <laughs> it's squishy, though. Um, but, yeah, he, like, put he puts her up on, like, a, a, a folded-up ladder. Yes, yeah, so like a ladder that's braced up against a wall, and she's hanging upside down from it. And the, the, this she's not the only one who will uh, succumb to this fate. But... Yeah, so he's he's got her upside down from the ladder. She's basically hanging by her knees, I guess, is, is what's actually happening. Maybe we're, we're made to believe that, you know, she's that he's tied her up or something. But uh, you can very clearly see her knees hooked around the top of the ladder. <laughs> but uh, Yeah, that, you can very clearly see it. But and then this is another one of those, like, oh, God, I really hope they were careful moments. He, like, presses what looks like a pretty sharp thing right up against her neck, you know, Again, implying that, like, he's going to, you know, stab her in the neck to drain all of her blood, you know, so, but again, all I'm thinking is, like, oh, God, how sharp was that thing actually on set? Like, why, I didn't need that. I, you know, like, I, I didn't, you didn't have to push a really sharp thing, an actual really sharp thing up against someone's neck to convey that, like, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bleed this woman out. Like, but anyway, so he does that, um... The actress has a face like, oh, I'm dying, except, oh, shit, this garbage is getting in my eyes. And, you know, like, nobody can help but flinch. Is Like, the, the very obvious hose from under their shirt is pouring pink blood Yeah, it, it, <laughs> down it their definitely face. Has like a, it has a paint-like texture to it almost. It must be all the drugs. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, obviously, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, but bearing witness to all this is another random woman uh, who shows up in a car, presumably the same car. Maybe she knew this gal or something, but she witnesses the whole ordeal, um, and this is where we get, like, minimum, like, 20 of those yeah. identical screams back to back to back to back, and we're just cutting back and forth between her putting her hand over her mouth and looking scared and the shots of blood pouring out of the throat hole. Yeah. And, and, and again, it's just like, like my God. Yeah. And again, like who is meant to be screaming here? Like the, the, presumably the girl hanging from the ladder is dead at this point, even though she is very visibly still flinching because, you know, 
she's got all the shit on her face. Um, there's too much shit on me. <laughs> <laughs> right on, woman. <laughs> um, you got to do it for the film. Another thing that worried me about this is like, how are these actresses not drowning? They're like pouring this stuff down their upturned nose. Like, I hope they did something to keep this shit from going up their nose. Um, oh, they most certainly did not. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I feel for, for actors that, that do these sorts of things, because it's just like, oh. I can't help but like have the thought every once in a while where it's like, oh, man, like not not for Blood Freak. Like, yeah, like, if yeah. you're going to do these sorts of things for a film, like make sure it's worthwhile or like or good <laughs> to some extent. But it's like you are now immortalized in cinema history as the, la- the lady that was upside down and bleeding from the throat in Blood Freak. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so um, there's yeah. like way too much screaming. The turkey is like grabbing, like cupping his hands to get the blood and then patting it on his beak, which I'm guessing is just like, like uh, uh, Steve from Inside the Mask is like, is this where the inside of the beak is? I don't like even his even his language, his body language is just like I don't I don't freaking know. Are we still shooting right now? Jesus, how long is this going on for? <laughs> yeah, he is grossly uncoordinated here. <laughs> yeah. uh, he is nowhere near close to the opening of the beak with the with these presumable like b- pools of blood that he's grabbing. Right, it's like yeah. Steve, like note to self, bring bucket. Like it's probably a worth 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 seeking out a bucket if this is how you're going to go about this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he has another victim who is uh, he grabs her from a car while her dude is like uh, tying one off on her. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, this was the scene yeah. I mentioned before where I was like, I really hope they didn't actually stick that actress with a needle because she very clearly had an actual tourniquet on because you could tell her arm was turning purple. Uh, yeah, and he takes his time. He's not especially coordinated with uh, all this. No, no. So I was just like, oh, God, I really hope they weren't going for realism and actually sticking her with a needle. I mean, I wouldn't put it past uh, them, but yeah, then, I hope yeah. not, because I'm sure that would suck again yeah. on the set of Blood Freak. Not something I'd want to want to do for a movie like Blood Freak. But yeah, he grabs her by the throat. Her dude just kind of like slips away into the night without a peep. Um and uh, we get another instance of, of our blood freak drinking her blood. Um, and then we get a bizarre sequence. Again, just the, the what's and why's yeah. uh, in rapid succession here. He's just at a home. Uh, a kind of elderly guy is out front the home. He sees the blood freak. The blood freak kills him. Doesn't take his blood. He just kills him. Yeah, yeah. Lar- largely quiet. Like, he solid snakes him for the most part. Right. But then some other dude gobble, comes out gobble. of the house. <laughs> I'm picturing like the turkey man needed to hide under a cardboard box yeah. at some point. That would have been great. Like surprise, yeah. <laughs> but um, some other dude uh, just runs out of the house and he like cradles the dead old man and he makes a face like like revenge. Yeah, <laughs> like, 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 and then, like and then this guy who is you know a pretty big dude vaults over a fence, which I was like, wow, that dude can move for a big guy. That is impressive. Uh, he should have been in more of this movie, probably. <laughs> yeah, actually, I had a theory that like our our leading man uh, played Tarzan, and I think has some stunt credits on his resume. Maybe this was like a friend or something. Oh, maybe, maybe. Because uh, this is the only instance of like real roughhousing uh, in the entirety of the film, and this guy has an odd odd amount of screen time for a non character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because he he does the you know sort of. I, I don't know. That's a wrestling thing, right? Where you you kind of sandwich your hands together and 
you hit him. Oh, it's the Captain. Yeah, it's, it's the Captain the, Kirk, right? It's the it's the double axe handle. Okay, thank you, thank you. I yes. I know nothing about wrestling, so. Well, you know you know a little bit about Star Trek, though, and yeah, yes. it's called a it's called a double axe. Handle. Okay, and yes, that that is a Kirkian maneuver. That and uh, drop kicking a wall, <laughs> purposely missing your opponent and drop kicking the wall uh, is is key, is key to the Captain Kirk repertoire of martial arts mm-hmm. uh, maneuvers, but. Yeah, this this fella in this this blue shirt, he just he vaults over a fence. Uh, he he kind of scraps with the with the blood freak, and he jams a screwdriver in in the blood freak's eyeball. Yeah, yeah, it looks like he just yeah. like right or right in his head somewhere. But uh, this clearly has no effect on the blood freak. Uh, the blood freak cannot be uh, brought down by a mere Phillips head screwdriver. Uh, you got to get you know like a like a got to get a standard for that, but. He pulls it out and then stabs the other guy back. Uh, and then that's, yeah, that's that whole confrontation pretty much. Like, they really build it up to something bigger than it ends up being. Yeah, I, again, I want to say that maybe there are some minor cuts here and there. Because, like, all of this is happening with a dead woman, like, nearby. Yeah, um, yeah. Th- that we, I think we did see that, that like, blood draining uh, incident and whatnot but i feel like there's maybe a, a few snippets like cut out of this here and there but point is we get two dudes get killed um and our blood freak gets stabbed and some really pathetic like yeah <laughs> noises play over it blood freak um, scream sound effect number two right there yeah it's funny actually i can't help but think of uh the giant claw when i think of some of these obnoxious screams um the giant claw is a is a B movie absolutely worth your time. Okay, if, if folks at home, if you haven't seen it, it's a, it's like a giant vulture or a condor, and a giant radioactive vulture or condor. That it looks like a, it looks like a moldy muppet or something, and uh, they continually reference uh, its size as being akin to a battleship, even though it's a flying creature, which, <laughs> which is a weird comparison to make, and um, the the combination of the absurdity of the monster design um and some of the dialogue and and the fact that the monster is again front like propped up front and center for a, a large chunk of the runtime of the film makes it kind of a delight uh, much more so than than blood freak but blood freak obviously has some charm unto itself um but the giant claw is a very high bar though yeah um uh, but yeah this is a where guy is kind of reintroduced to the narrative uh, presumably because uh, Anne is trying to get the blood freak, get Herschel uh, some more of the super marijuana. Well, um, no, because uh, it seems like her two friends are now just going out to kill the blood freak. Like they've they've all decided. Well, guess this is what we're going to have to do based on like nothing. I don't think they're we're meant to believe that they know that all this is going on while they're talking, but. Yeah, they uh, they kind of come to that conclusion, but yeah. they like fuck off for a good solid ten chunk ten minutes of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Like, they they just kind of like say, okay, we'll 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 get to that when we get to that. Like we need we need the body count to ratchet up a bit more before we do anything. Uh, yeah. But uh, in the meantime, though, like guy has like some supply chain issues or something with his drugs. Uh, so he meets with this fellow who is very strategically cast. Yes, uh, because apparently he actually is an amputee. Mm-hmm. Or at least uh, is missing one leg. Yeah, um, and I I have to assume this is the only reason this fellow was cast in the film. I mean, like um, he's not a worse actor than most of the other people <laughs> in this movie. So 
<laughs> you know, he does have that going for him. Um, but yeah, he's got a prosthetic leg, and that's how they're going to do uh, sort of the last big special effect kill in this movie. But yeah, so he goes over to see Guy. Guy apparently has already been shorting him some of the the, the, the dough. Uh, this is a thing I find funny. One of them will always talk about money as dough, and the other will talk about it as bread. So they're like, no, my preferred slang for money is dough. Well, mine is bread. Well, dough's better. No, bread is better. And I don't know. It's a weird thing. So and You know, at least once one of them showed up with just like a loaf of bread. It's like, <laughs> I mean... I don't know what we're talking about anymore. <laughs> like maybe we should clarify things going forward. But but yeah, so 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 guy, he's only got a little bit of the dough. He doesn't have all the bread. He you know, so he's saying like, you know, here's 100 for the stuff now. I'll give you the 75 later and as a bonus for, you know, for for letting me, you know, get more drugs right now when I haven't paid you for the last one, um you get to rape Anne and what can I say about yikes? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, took the words right out of my mouth. This is unfortunately the kind of shit that happens in movies of this caliber from time to time. It's like every time it comes up, you're just like, you know, I was having a good time until you had to throw in the R word. Yeah, it's... it's, God God damn it, Blood Freak. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's real, real eh, unpleasant. Yeah, it sucks. Again, it's... Something that's very, very common. Yeah, in yeah. Movies, unfortunately, movies of, yeah. of this caliber, and yeah, it, it sucks. Uh, but yeah, he makes a move for her, and then we get these weird in shot, inside shot, like inserted shots of the blood freak just kind of like standing listlessly in the backyard or something. Yeah. So and, I guess presumably he sees Herschel from outside, and that's what gets yeah, him. But to he run doesn't away. do shit. He he runs away. He leaves the house. He goes to a random storage facility yeah it takes it takes like a good three or four minutes for him to find that storage locker by the way right yeah yeah he he has to like we gotta see him walk all the way around the building we gotta see him walk down the alley he's gotta try two doors probably because he couldn't remember which one it was that he was supposed to use the actor i mean slowly (laughs) right on (laughs) so then he gets into the what actually turns out to be like a like a wood shop i guess or yeah some kind of shop um and he's decided that, you know, we've got the ominous turkey gobbling happening, which I, I'm i guessing is something diegetic that he can hear. I, I don't know for certain, though. I have to assume. Yeah. And he's he's backing up throughout the entire facility. He's decided that a monster is pursuing me. Clearly, the best thing to do in this workshop with a bunch of sharp implements around would be to walk backwards for a good five minutes. That seems like a great idea. So, um, predictably, the blood freak gets him from behind because he, you know, walks right into him. Yeah, he Michael Myers him. He does <laughs> teleport behind him. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> He went through one of the one of the other doors that he tried that was locked. So yeah, uh, no. So he grabs him. The guy. Oh no, he, he strangles him, and the guy passes out. And then he yeah. puts him up onto the uh, onto a table saw, and saws his leg off. And again, because the guy has a prosthetic leg, that is how they were able to do that effect. So they just had some, you know, like a hose or whatever within the prosthesis, I guess that starts gushing out after he he saws his leg off. You know, it's you know, it's a cool effect, I guess. It's it's like the the most competent 
one of these kind of kills in these kind of movies that I think we have seen yet in this film. Yeah, and it, it's done pretty well for the most part. Like, like the the gore is decent. the The color and the like viscosity of the blood is a little better than we've seen previously. And this is like maybe the one instance where the incessant screaming actually helps a little bit where it actually kind of plays into the scene a little bit. Cause yeah. like we just hold on this poor guy just like screaming, which I mean, yeah, uh, we don't feel too bad for him given. The yeah. Scene he's kind of a it. scumbag. And on, on top of that, I think he, I think it's implied like maybe he like killed Anne or something. Cause he, he choked her pretty good and she wasn't moving. Yeah. I, Hmm. I don't know. I mean, it, it, and this it, is the conclusion of the dream, so yeah. I don't think we cut back to her. Right. We we don't. Yeah. I I find it weird that guy never gets his comeuppance within this dream sequence. But maybe that was a stipulation of him of, of the actor coming back. It's like I don't do any more scenes with Herschel. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, that that, that would play into my theory. Yeah. But, uh, what's What's especially curious though is that while all this bloodletting is happening, the blood freak like just kind of like slips onto his ass onto the ground. And he's just, like, laying next to the guy, like, like at the base of the table saw. And the blood is, like, falling onto his head. And he just, he looks like he just, like, concussed himself or something. <laughs> like, he's not drinking the blood. He's just kind of, like, laying there going, like, oh, well, As we've seen before, he absorbs it through his head, clearly. <laughs> it's through his scalp. Yeah. It, it looks... It looks like he's drunk on the set, is what it looks yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so the implication of all this being that, like, now that he's a monster, he needs blood of addicts to to feed his habit. He doesn't actually need drugs anymore. He needs the, the blood of people who have already been on the drugs. So I don't even know if we actually know if this guy, who I don't even think has a name, uh, is on drugs or if he's just selling the drugs, but... His proximity to the drugs perhaps makes his blood druggy enough that the blood freak can get the drugs from the blood drug. The drug blood. There you go. I mean, everything you just said is is far more coherent and, and clear-cut than anything in the film. <laughs> yeah, so, so we go from here to Herschel Turkey Boy stumbling around outside again in a, like, footage that we have actually seen before. Yeah, same day, definitely. Yeah, um... And then he he gets on his knees and he kind of like clasps his hands together like he's praying or something. And then we see one of Anne's friends, the 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 guy who looks like a twelve year old with a wannabe mustache that you know a twelve year old could grow. And he cuts his head off with the sword, and then that cuts to a scene of an actual turkey being decapitated on the farm. And I'm just gonna say I think actually like. I am fairly certain they murdered a live animal on film for this movie, and I think that's fucked up. I I don't know. I mean, granted, like yeah. I understand this was a turkey farm. This is probably the fate that was going to befall these turkeys anyway, IRL. But I I don't know. I don't I don't like that. <laughs> well, I mean, doing it for the production of Blood Freak is it, it's a little tasteless, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I don't um, know. Like it, it's it's no you know like. Friday the 13th killing a live snake on camera, which is like, what the fuck were you doing? But it's still not cool. Yeah, uh, Kyle and I, uh, a long time ago, we've reviewed a Cannibal Holocaust uh, for the for the podcast. Um, and that movie is infamous for having some of the some of the more graphic uh, instances of like live animals being killed on a film set. Mm-hmm. Um, if memory serves, I think Apocalypse Now also has a pretty bad one as well. Um, but in in those cases, at least the end product like is well remembered and well regarded. Um, it, 
doesn't make it any easier to digest like like the viewing experience and it's also again kind of tasteless but yeah here for for blood freak it's just like man like did we really have to show a, a an actual turkey get decapitated and like writhe around on the ground and stuff yeah like did we really have to like relish that because uh, at least in the other instances I men- mentioned, like it's treated as like an incidental occurrence, mm-hmm. where it's just like this is a thing that just happens in in this particular community, where it's not like anyone's like brutalizing a thing. It's just like no, they killed it and they have full intention of like preparing it and like eating it immediately. Yeah, after, yeah. Which, which I mean, you know, like lessens the, the 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 grossness of it a little bit, but it is still like you know, I it's I, still I'm, bad. For yeah, sure. I'm just not, I'm not cool at all with you know injuring or killing animals for a movie regardless of the context like you don't have to do that you can do that with effects or whatever and everybody should just you know i mean like i'm not a vegetarian or anything like that you know but i i still think it's pretty gross and no i i agree with you for the most part and it's especially in this case where it's like i hate to say it but this was probably a cheaper alternative than using like a like a I don't know, a puppet or something. Yeah. Um, so in the case of Blood Freak, it was probably just a cost-saving measure. Yeah. But on top of that, they also tried to make it like an, an arty shot on top of that. Yeah. Because they, the timing of the cut of, of like the machete coming down on the Blood Freak and we immediately like cut to the exact same thing happening to a, a live turkey. It's yeah. like that was very intentional and that was probably like part of the mission statement or something from from our director. Well, and uh, they do Brad like Brad F. Grinter. They make it like a whoosh sound effect just like what i just did like it was quite clearly just a person making that noise with their mouth so like again probably our director the same guy who probably went right yeah yeah (laughs) but then we see um a very strange scene of a dinner table we've got the paper mache turkey head on the table next to an actual, you know, like cooked turkey, and people are just grabbing turkey off of this thing with their filthy fucking hands. <laughs> just, ugh. That might have been the that might have been the most disturbing thing about this movie to me, honestly. No, no, it, it wasn't. But it, it's pretty awful. It's like, ugh. It's like I hope everybody washed, and I hope nobody actually. Ate that <laughs> yeah. Although, although that's also really wasteful. So yeah. You know. Either way, you're making me very unhappy showing me this. Right. Like, I'm not entirely sure what the message is supposed to be here. Like, if they're making a statement about, like, overconsumption or consumerism to some degree or or the horrors of farming animals for food. Yeah, but it's like you had a fucking turkey farm on your goddamn movie. Like... Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's, your turkey farm probably had a, a great deal to do with financing your film, so maybe yeah. be careful. <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't get that at all, but uh, this is when we finally um, sort of leave the dream sequence, and then uh, Herschel is found by the farmer who helps him up, uh, has not become a better actor in the, in the moments between uh, his last scene and now. And uh, tells Herschel that he's going to call Angel because she'll know what to do. And um, we get another scene with the scientists. We're still talking about leaving, uh, even though, like, the last time they were talking about leaving was, I guess, within the dream sequence, maybe? Well, maybe not. I don't know. But things are better now. Herschel hasn't died. They haven't, you know, like, killed a man, it turns out. So, (laughs) you know, they're, they're feeling a little bit better, but... Yeah, they they they're still thinking about leaving. Also, the farmer's going to give them a bonus if they keep quiet about all this, which I, I I don't know. 
this is just fill time yeah like, right like, right if you if if you keep talking nobody will explode um yes but, yeah um but yeah we have an extended phone conversation that i don't exactly remember the contents of between uh, angel and Anne, but it's like the most repetitive editing it's so it's so boring just to look at honestly because it's just it's just two flat shots of two ladies talking on the phone and basically it's just like Anne's like yeah herschel's not dead angel you want to help him and it's like yeah okay i'm angel i'll help him out uh so i guess she heads out to the farm to pick up herschel and yeah because I, I believe yeah and and can't do it because she just can't even face him right now because she feels so responsible for what's happened to him um, I gave him the super pot, yeah. and he freaked out, man. <laughs> so Angel goes to get him. Um, the The farmer gets him into the car, and this is where we learn that he wasn't just on marijuana. He was on other drugs that he was given when he was recovering from his injuries in Vietnam. And so here is where um, he he gets better, though, because Angel has him pray right there in the car. Right there. And, yeah. um, <laughs> and hey, that fixes it. All, we're all better now. Thoughts and prayers. Yeah, that, that's that's the conclusion of Herschel's arc. Uh, yeah. He he he, uh, he clasps hands together and prays to the heavens. Yeah. He's like, hey, can I like not be addicted to super marijuana? Bing. Yeah. Okay. Um, great. I'm not I'm not addicted to super marijuana anymore. Yeah. Herschel says he doesn't have any faith left, and and Angel says, well, pray to God to increase your faith. And like, oh, I never thought about it that way. <laughs> I should, shouldn't I? <laughs> his 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 faith stat goes up. He levels up. Uh, he's a paladin now. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, he prays in the car, and then I believe we get our final uh, monologue from our director. Uh, yeah, I believe so. And this is where he talks about how you know this was based uh, somewhat on uh, somewhat on re- somewhat on reality and somewhat on probability. <laughs> Uh, and you know, talks about the the ills of treating our bodies like a a, a mixing bowl for drugs and chemicals. Water's a chemical, uh, and and then as he's saying all this about not doing drugs, he has a coughing fit that he cannot get under control, and we fade out on him coughing, and it is the goddamn funniest thing I think I have ever seen in my life. Yeah, this, this is kind of the, the cherry on top of the whole viewing experience. It, it, oh, it's so good! It it it's fantastic. Like like th- this, I couldn't tell. Like I, part of the charm of it is that I think this was sincere. Oh yeah, no, I because like there was a part of me that was thinking like, okay, n- now he's 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 pulling a Tommy Wiseau right now. He is like retroactively trying to say this was a comedy with this coughing fit. But then like <laughs> as we're fading out, you can kind of see him like finally compose himself, put his cigarette back in his mouth, and then just kind of groan, like, uh... Like... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, fuck that up. I guess that's going in the movie. (laughs) Yeah, and that's when I I realized, like, no, I don't think this is satire. He really did do this, and they really did put it in the movie, possibly because, like, we can't shoot that again. We're out of film, I guess. I Who knows? But... Wow. I, I... I don't know, but yeah, wow is right. Like it, if, it's just it's magnificent. It's like you if you had tried to make this like if you had tried to to make this particular comedic beat, like if you had scripted it out, it it wouldn't work. I, it wouldn't work. Yeah, no, like everybody listening to this, like even if everything up to this point that we've talked about does not sound as as hilariously bad and entertaining to you, like 
I promise this coughing fit at the end will will pay it all off. I promise you. So do watch this movie for free on Internet Archive. Uh, it, it's it's just amazing. It's amazingly bad. It's entertaining. You will probably have a good time, especially if you, you have some friends there. Hey, maybe do some drugs. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, it probably helps quite a bit yep. uh, to increase your enjoyment level of the film. Yeah, but- and... and- we do get one last scene, too, of uh, Herschel and Anne reuniting, which so this relationship feels weird because throughout this movie, Anne and Angel are posed as two, you know, completely opposing forces. They're literally like the angel and devil on, on Herschel's shoulder in, in some ways. And so, like, Herschel is always doing well when he follows Angel around at the beginning of the movie. He stays away from drugs when he's, you know, with Angel. When he's with Anne, he, you know, succumbs to all his his worst impulses and everything else, and everything spirals out of control. So, like, it seems weird that he still ends up with Anne at the end of this and not with Angel. I I don't get it. Yeah, um, again, maybe it was a low-budget production, and they couldn't get the angel actress back uh, for for this last like wrap-up shot. And so they're just like, well, I guess we'll go with the other gal, the gal with the the crazy eye makeup, yep, and, yeah. and bump it. Like, like she showed up, you know. Like I've I've heard that actually on like commentaries from like ultra low-budget directors. All it's right, like, I like this guy. It's like why? Because he showed up. <laughs> it's like. Wow, <laughs> like that's all you have to do to be in your good graces. Yep, awesome. Uh, but yeah, it's very strange because nothing in the narrative pointed towards these two ending up together. Like in, in like the most basic of terms, it's yeah. like yeah, of course he's going to end up with Angel and he's going to go to church with her or something. Right, like, right. It doesn't necessarily mean anything to me, but it makes sense. Um, but no, instead we just go like on a like on a pier at the beach and uh again really shitty weather day like maybe pick a different day to film because it looks windy as fuck that she was probably freezing cold that, in that, that looks like a suit. that looks like a great day on the beach if they are on the oregon coast but in florida <laughs> like that's that's a pretty no, crappy it, day it, it, it looks like some alarms or some sirens are about <laughs> to go off like get to high ground like it's not a good day to film let well. alone hang out at the beach um, but again, it's like we we gots to go. Like, like we we got to hustle to get Blood Freak out there. Uh, we got to recoup our losses, whatever they might be. But yeah, our our finale of the film is just the two of them staring at each other, and then he just and like puts an arm around her, and then the end. That's it. That's all there is. <laughs> that's all there is. <laughs> Blood Freak, a, a, truly a very substantive film. Yeah, uh, if ever there was one. And but, those substances yeah. are illicit. <laughs> Yeah, that was uh, Blood Freak from 1972, directed by both Brad F. Grinter and Steve Hawks. Um, Link, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thank like, you I, for indulging me and in, in watching this film and talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you were not shy about kind of like warning me ahead of time. Like, I, I mean, I, I know you told me I could pick anything, but like, I don't think you know what you're getting yeah, into. Yeah, I, like, I was a little worried. I was a little worried. No, I, I told you. It's like I'll I will watch anything for whatever reason if I can get a conversation out of it. So I'm never worried about like something unless it's like a truly vile piece of shit yeah. that like is deeply offensive, like on like on an intrinsic level yeah, or well, something. This one does get close to that. It 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 gets close. <laughs> <laughs> but this this was fine. Like th- this was a fun shitty B movie watch for me. Um, it it was very entertaining. Like. 
part of what's fun for me about watching bad movies and very similar to you actually like my relationship to bad movies has changed quite a bit as i've gotten older like it used to be i just i just like sit back and go lol you know i just like watch the movie for the lols or whatever um but these days it's like i watch it with a more analytical view and i I have fun trying to insert myself into the shoes of the people actually trying to put this thing together and like actually try to undo the puzzle that is putting together a film Uh, so watching bad films can sometimes be like an educational experience for me um wasn't exactly that case for blood Freak. yeah I, you know i wish i do wish that we had maybe had something from either of the directors about like just what the hell they were thinking when they were making this but unfortunately i believe both of them have passed at this point so uh yeah they, they have both passed away and uh, oddly enough despite this movie you know being as odd as it is um it actually isn't that well documented uh, at least online anyway Mm-mm. Um, I did actually try to seek out like an official like printed DVD of the film uh, at Scarecrow Video, which if you're in the Seattle or if you're in the Seattle area, definitely check that out if you're a film fan. Uh, they have an extensive library. However, uh, Blood Freak was actually checked out uh, when I intended to go out to rent it. So apparently someone else out there, uh, maybe with a podcast of their own, uh, decided, <laughs> you know what I need to do tonight? I need to watch blood free <laughs> hey whoever rented that if you're listening right now reach out to us we would love to chat we'll just have a big old chat about this weird bad movie <laughs> yeah i mean I, I hate to say it but like I, i'd be curious if there it, do exist alternate cuts of this movie not that i'm gonna run out and check them out yeah no anything. no no absolutely not because i have a very good idea of what is missing from this <laughs> yes. particular cut of the film is nothing i need to see um but it, it always it always intrigues me to know that alternate cuts of something exist out there but but yeah uh this was blood freak and uh of course steampunk link from the snescapades podcast uh thank you again uh, for joining me and uh, suggesting this film as a topic of discussion but uh before we go link uh would you care to let the folks at home know where they can find you and your very awesome Fiji game podcast? Oh, well, thank you so much for saying that. Uh, yeah, you can, uh, well, uh, Snescapades is a uh, chronological journey through the North American Super Nintendo Library with a few pit stops along the way. We play them briefly, judge them harshly, and rank them. Uh, you can find uh, you can find me on social media at Snescapades on Twitter or Instagram if you want to reach out and talk about the show. Our podcast, Snescapades, is on all the podcasting platforms that I'm aware of, or most of them anyway. Uh, should not be hard to find. You can go to honestpiranha.com to uh, view our show as well and take a look at our overall ranking list of uh, all the Super Nintendo games. We are, as of this recording, somewhere in the middle of 1993. So there you go. Oh, thanks so much for that. Yeah, Snescapades is a wonderful podcast. I've been listening to it pretty much since day one. I follow it very closely, uh, mostly <laughs> so I can pop in from time to time to to nudge Axley further up the list. Uh, it's become almost a running gag at this point. It, I'm only half. I'm only, I'm only like half serious when I do that. By the way, well, that, it's that, that's a, good because it is probably as high as it's going to go at this point. No, I, I'm fully aware of that. It's it's a game at this point for me. It's yeah. just a fun little jam yeah, no, no, to make it you guys. <laughs> but, um, we're, no, we're establishing I, I beef. Way... We're establishing lore amongst our podcasts right now. It's... I mean, I hate to say it, but that that is the social media realm these days. Right. I've had a thing. I've had a thing. I've been saying for close to a decade now. Everything is wrestling. Uh, if you get right down to it, yeah. and these days, 
social media twitter may as well be wrestling where it's just a bunch of people cutting promos on each other and leapfrogging that to pay-per-views i.e success um <laughs> so yes this is this is me cutting a promo on steampunk link enemy zero brother <laughs> so like, you're doing the only voice do? that i know of, of wrestling i can't i can't do anything else with that i i don't know who else is a wrestler uh um I mean John Cena, The Rock. Yeah, uh, I, I, there are there are too many wrestlers. Uh, out the there, the but... The Rock. I'm not familiar with whoever this is. I don't I don't know who that is. <laughs> oh, oh D- Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Dwayne. The, okay, <laughs> that name kind of rings a bell. I I might have seen something he was in. <laughs> was he an American Gladiator? Uh, uh, no, but he was on an episode of Star Trek Voyager. I think. Oh, as that's a gladiator right. Figure. Yes, that's right. He actually was on. The Gladiators episode of Star Trek Voyager. Oh, that was a- yeah. So he has been a gladiator, not an, an American yeah. gladiator. Sorry, he's, an he's, intergalactic. Gladiator. I think his cousin has been an American gladiator. <laughs> oh yeah, most assuredly. Yeah. I, I, I even without knowing, I can confirm. That. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, I, I love Snescapades. It's a wonderful podcast. I I, I like your your uh, ranking structure. It's a it's really neat how you try to keep it organized and how you try to sort things into criteria. Yeah. And you, you got, uh, you both, uh, you and Emmy Zero had uh, recently passed a, a milestone on the show, correct? Yeah, yeah. We now have a little over two hundred games on that list, um, which you know becomes troublesome at a point because there are games on that list I do not remember playing. I don't remember what they were anymore. So that is the uh, the folly of trying to rank a, a a library of games that is in the couple hundreds. So. But uh, we will get through it one way or another, even if some of them just don't get ranked anymore. Yeah, no, it's a fun <laughs> exercise, no matter how you slice it. Yeah. And uh, def- definitely, uh, folks at home, uh, check out that particular episode. It's it's a little lengthy, but some of the content in there is really spectacular. Yeah, uh, and- lots, of, lots of guests with a lot of really awesome things to say. Yeah, and speaking of uh, lengthy episodes, we're going to have one of those probably pretty close to the time this one comes out, because uh, you joined us for talking to Mortal Kombat, the movie. That I did. Yeah, it, it's kind of bizarre because, like, I, I don't think of myself as a Mortal Kombat, like, super fan or anything. And yet, like, what little reputation I have, uh, I I don't have much of a footprint online, but uh, what little reputation I have online, it seems to be the case that I've been, like, pigeonholed into being the Mortal Kombat guy. <laughs> like, I, I've, I've been involved in far too many Mortal Kombat discussions online. It's, it's weird that I, I just have ended up being that guy, but it is what it is. Um Anyway, uh, if you'd like to catch up on any of our other uh, Catching Up on Cinema content, however, uh, you can find all of that located on our website at catchinguponcinema.com. You can also find us on the social medias at Instagram at uh, Catching Up on Cinema, as well as the Twitter at Catching Cinema. So feel free to hit me up at either of those. Uh, And the podcast is available on every platform you can imagine, including Cephalopod. So fucking Google it. And uh, that being said, thank you so much for joining me and Steampunk Link from the SNESCapades podcast, and uh, we'll catch you next time.